You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, friends. We are back. That's right. It is damn they were good. I am your host, as always, Jed Mishu of MMAfine.com. Terrific website. And I got two terrific people with me today because we're, we're doing it. Back to back, back to back Brazilians, back to back Silvas, back to back legendary iconic fighters. That's right. We are talking about Vanderlei Silva this week on Damn They Were Good. And I am joined, of course, by none other than the Brazilian beast himself, the man we turn to for all things Curitiba, all things Sao Paulo, all things just the entire nation of Brazil. And, and honestly, we could probably extend it to South America at this point. Guillermo Cruz, and then of course joining us because you know three's a party. You got to round it out. Alexander K. Lee making his return today. I'm after. I don't know when the last one you were on. A.K. Habib. Mm, Habib. Okay, so not that long actually. We're okay, fellas. It's time to talk about Vanderlei Silva. We are speaking about Vanderlei Silva because I mean, aside from Vanderlei Silva being one of the most iconic fighters in MMA history and like kind of one of those dudes who maybe isn't the exact purpose that this show exists for, you know, like the, the original conceit of this show is to remember fighters who maybe otherwise wouldn't be remembered. Vanderlei doesn't fall on that. I think he's too iconic for that, but we were talking pre-show AK where it's like, yeah, Vanderlei maybe isn't that, but Vanderlei is a guy who I think as new generations of fans come in, they can appreciate him less and less because of how the resume looks just at a quick glance. And so that's, that's who this show is for. And the reason we're doing it specifically this time is because guys, we're old. Um, I, I know through talking with you that you, you weren't, you know, part of this at the time. And frankly, neither was I, but November 3rd, 2001 is when he wins the pride middleweight championship. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. We're recording this on Halloween day, but uh, in just a few days, that will be the 22nd anniversary of Vanderlei Silva becoming the pride middleweight champion of the world. Plus there are also like a, a litany of other fights that kind of coincide around this time period for him. Most specifically the Quentin rampage Jackson title defense in October 31st. In fact, today, 19 years today. So seemed like a great time to do Vanderlei. Fellas, how are we feeling about doing Wandy? Um, you know, what are your initial thoughts coming into this? Uh, I I just feel like I might I maybe is the wrong person for this one, Jed. I feel like uh, you know I I abhor violence. Um, I watch MMA. You're the wrong person for that. Then I watch MMA for the artistry, uh, for the <laughs> point fighting. I did the Habib episode with the understanding of like, oh great, I get to just watch a guy who just laid and prayed his way to a perfect record, didn't really hurt anyone. Um, it was a great fun uh you know a <laughs> nightmare free episode uh let me tell you guys i did a little research on this episode watched some of those vanderlei guys fights um some nasty stuff some nasty stuff he did some bad things to people and it made me a little uncomfortable i'm not gonna lie it made me a little Dude, uncomfortable he does the most bad things to people um i don't i oh, can't say ever but who you just i I came into this with like a healthy respect for Vandalay because like he was this is prime my entry into MMA, the him versus Chuck stuff and all of that. And we'll get into all of that. But 
lot of respect for him and still come came into this and was like, man, as you start going through the catalog and watching all of the like best pride stuff and just like, dude, he's, he's the original king of violence. Like we talk about Eddie Alvarez and, and Justin Gaethje and, and Dustin Poirier and these dudes. Nah, this is the homie right here who did all of that. He not saying he's the most technically proficient dude. So AK, you're right. That's tough. But he threw hammers like nobody before and maybe not anybody since. So it has been an incredibly fun uh, dive down memory lane. Guy, what is your, what's your experience been coming into this? Because you and me both coming off Anderson Silva to Vanderlei Silva, two extremely different ways of inflicting the hurt on people. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Vanderlei is like, when you think about him, you think about violence. And this, he's such a nice gentleman outside of the ring, outside of the cage. It's it's insane to to watch him do what 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 he did for a living, and uh, it was amazing to watch. I mean, I I didn't, I didn't get to to watch his entire career. Of course, I'm not that old, uh, even if you say none of I'm us old. are. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. For 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 the most part that I was able to watch, it's even he he wasn't his prime. It was there was no boring fight with Andre Silva. It was always so much fun to watch. It's incredible. Dude, never a boring fight. Like the uh he he walked so Justin Gaethje could run. That was like one of the big things that stuck out of me as I kind of went back through this. Like, yeah, this man, I, I remember. I remembered why people loved him so much. Before we get into the topics this week, I got two questions. One, pretty standard. Uh, so let's lead off with this key because it's for you. I, I love to get the the context of Brazil here because I'm very American. I have the very American MMA experience. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little older in the fandom, so my experience was not totally UFC centric, but all of that feels that way. Where's Vandalay's kind of place in Brazilian MMA? Not maybe in history, but just in the public perception, because you've been on for for Jose Aldo, for for Shogun, for Anderson Silva, and kind of sort of have a a hierarchy here of where these guys fall, but what does the Brazilian public think of Vanderlei? If there was a Mount Rushmore of Brazilian MMA, he would be there. Uh, he's just this legend that everybody looks up to as an athlete. Uh, as a person, he, over the past few years, there was more like a popularizing feature on social media, uh, figure actually, uh, on social media, like when he was running for public uh, uh, like to, for uh, or stuff like that, so dep uh, deputy or things like that. So, so the more uh, leaning more to to the right side of the political spectrum. So that kind of hurt him uh, in a way. But as an athlete, like everybody loves him. So it's just he's he's so fun in interviews and stuff like that. Uh, and as a fighter, his violence. So people love him. Um, he's I'm a glad. superstar in Curitiba. Oh, that, that totally did all makes his, sense. His, his, his career, like fighting for shoot box and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, he is the iconic shoot the box guy, like even over Shogun probably. Um, because, you know, like that's sort of the perception I had watching his career is like, hey, he's, 
he has that dichotomy of just the most violent dude that's ever been once like once the fight starts but like he had a lot of personality in all the interviews and the interactions with boss and you know even his interactions with like rampage outside of their rivalry was all like seems like a super cool guy who then <laughs> just yeah. gets in there and does the violence and that is the part that i really want us to get into before we get into the rest of this is watching this all and i don't care if vanderlei's the goat or any of those is he the single peak vanderlei is that the most intimidating fighter of all time like is there a fighter you would be less interested in staring down pre fist <laughs> fight because i gotta say when you put all of it together the walkout iconic, like the the whole sandstorm thing uh, coming in, the like little hopping spin thing that he did does once he gets into the ring, the wrist roll, the the and then the stare down, the best stare down in MMA history. I don't think there's a question to it. He looked like he wanted to eat you, like he is just staring through you as if he is going to chew down on your jugular. I simply don't know if there is a more intimidating fighter who has ever existed. If there is one of you, please tell me who. Uh, I don't have an answer. I, I, nope. I'm with you. Just the element of violence, of fear that he brought to a fight is it's it's impossible to replicate. And uh, and frankly, isn't something that's necessarily encouraged in today's MMA. Uh, we're pretty sanitized now. They will talk about it. every now and then. You do have some like like oh look at that stare down. Look how look how intimidating this fighter looks. You'll have that. But it's it feels a little put on with Vanderlei. It's so real looking, even though we well, know he's st yeah, stuff like that today. Like yeah. you push each other, you shove each other, and damn. Yeah, yeah. No, if Vanderlei shoves <laughs> you, he's going to try to kill you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's incredible. It's incredible, and it's aged so well. Like I think it, just again going back along some of these old fights, I'm like, wow, this feels so real, and this feels again. It's just something you you really you can't recreate now. So. Um, no, I cannot think of a more intimidating fighter. There have been like big guy people who we know who are power punchers in that sense, but not not in the sense that like this person's not just gonna gonna punch me. They might punch me until I'm no longer alive, and that is scary. Yeah, man. And it's like I when I was going through it, I was thinking like, okay, uh, and we already did an episode on him. Fedor's sort of like quiet stoicism was its own sort of intimidating, but it was not the visceral like I pooped myself which i would be I, I mentioned this on the anderson silva uh show we talked where I, I recounted a story from the esteemed ekc live mr 324 himself about standing in opposite anderson silva for photos in the jake paul fight um esther lynn was doing photos she needed someone to stand across him and got it out and him telling me like i've it was I, I got it like when he did those photos anderson turned it on and like now I understood what it was like to be opposite him and it was terrifying. And I, I think of that and I'm like, and I don't even think Anderson had like that intimidating of a stare down. I can't imagine what it would be like to stand across from Vandalay when his shoulders are hunched and he's wrist rolling at you and just looking like he is going to decimate you and your entire bloodline. Like just who I could not, I spent a long time trying to think if there's anybody even close, but to your point, AK, we don't see it a lot. And honestly, when we do see people kind of do it, it, it feels fake. It feels like a bit of a put on. I don't feel like Anderson was, was putting anything on. I feel like he had flipped a switch and was now just an actual ax murderer in the cage. Hey, the if, ring, you're, if you look like 
if you're trying to to rank like most intimidating face-offs you have to ignore the actual fights if you pick this person and put him in the middle of a mall and and and, and tell someone to face off with, with, with this fighter are they going to grab your pants <laughs> without knowing if they are fighters and watching their fights you know if Vanderlei Silva is not going to be intimidating because you don't know. I mean, uh, and also Silva and Fedor are not going to be intimidating because they don't know anything. They just stand there. But you mm-hmm. think about your fights. If Vanderlei stands there and does his thing, you're going to crap your pants. It's going to be scary. Yeah. I, honestly, that's in a vacuum. Absolutely. It's <laughs> like, yep, okay. I know that man means to do me harm. Um, that's unfortunate for me. <laughs> and then he did, did a whole lot of harm as AK said, uh, anything else you guys want to talk to before we hop right into the categories? Cause there's, there's just a lot to discuss with him. So I figure we hop right in, but if you guys have anything you want to bring out about, about Vandy or should we proceed? Uh, I just want to say Jed and I were talking before the show and we want to let people know, like it, we, it, it, like one thing we struggled with was fitting everything into, cause if people listen to the show, they know there's categories, there's categories, but there's some, this guy did so much stuff in his career. Some of it just doesn't fit into a category. So we're going to do our best to cover anything. If we miss something, feel free to yell at us after, but it, it was difficult. It was difficult to fit all everything you want to talk about regarding Vanderlei Silva into uh, sort of a, a tight show format. That's a great point. AK. Uh, I think that this is the first time, uh, if you've ever listened to the show before, you know that the categories are fairly extensive, arguably have too many of them at this point, which is why the show takes as long as it does. And this is the first time where I was like, I can't really even get all of the stuff in. So I just sort of have a notepad of things that I have also wanted to speak about. And then hopefully some of you guys will have some of these things in different categories. And if not, it may be a little disjointed because I'll just be like, and by the way, since no one else is talking about this, let's talk about the series of fights with Ricardo Arona because those were things that happened. Um, and like on that note, I couldn't do like I this Mount Rushmore we're about to get into super, super tough. Before we do a very, very brief rundown, as I always do about Vanderlei Silva's career, just for the uninitiated and give you the bullet points real, real fast. And they go like this. Makes his pro debut in 1996. Uh, I guess if you want to go even back before then, he was born in uh, 1976, July 3rd in Curitiba, Brazil. Makes his pro debut at 20. Uh, fighting um, bare knuckle fights, you know, the old like actual true Valley Tudo back in the 90s, which just terrific. Always a, always a fun thing. And shout out to Fight Pass. I got one major beef with Fight Pass uh, for this whole thing, but... One big, big bonus for them. They had most of his IVC fights uh, in their in their library. So go back and you can check him uh, stomping out, you know, Mike Van Arsdale and whatever. Um, moves to Pride, Pride in about 2000-ish. Wins the middleweight title after having a couple of fights in the UFC sporadically. After he wins the middleweight belt, that's kind of, that's the peak run. That's peak Vandalay. We're going to spend most of our time speaking. Five years undefeated, 18 wins from April 2000 to December 04. Like he, he's just the man, one of the very top pound for pound fighters in the sport moves to the UFC in 2007 after pride gets purchased, uh, by Zufa fights nine times, then kind of winds his career up in Bellator. Oddly, uh, ultimately here's a list of just some of his accolades, most wins in pride history at 22 
He's the first fighter to ever win the Pride title and a Grand Prix for Pride. Uh, most title defenses in Pride history. Uh, because a lot of the peak of his career happened before MMA became like certainly what it is now and even even big and relatively speaking, there weren't like, there's not like a, hey, here's the MMAfighting.com history of stuff, like of awards. But instead, he's the Wrestling Observer's Fighter of the Year in 2001, 2004, which I would say is probably about as good as you can have for for those time frames. Also, Fight of the Year for Wrestling Observer in 03 and 04, back-to-back. Uh, sure Dog Fight of the Year in 04. Uh, the 04 fight is the Rampage Jackson battle. And then the World MMA Awards won Fight of the Year and Knockout of the Year in 2008. The Chuck Liddell fight, which actually happens in 07 in December. Uh, and then the Knockout of the Year, the Keith Jardine fight. We'll talk about all that later. But ultimately... We're talking about a dude who has 51 career MMA fights that I know about. I am absolutely willing to believe based on who he is. There could be more, but 51 confirmed fights uh, with a record of 35 and 14, one draw, one no contest. I don't actually think he's in the UFC Hall of Fame, which feels insane. He's not? Okay, that's insane. Um, I mean, I guess he did end with the promotion poorly, which I'm sure we'll get into. So let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the awards section, the, the bulk of this podcast, starts out every episode the same. The Mount Rushmore. You got four fights. Four fights to put in your Mount Rushmore for Vanderlei Silva. And I I alluded to this earlier. Straight up, I think this is the hardest Mount Rushmore I've ever had. Um, I mean, one, you've got 50-some-odd fights. It's always tougher when a fighter has 50. But, like, with some dude like – with Robbie Lawler, it was a difficult – thing to do because there were three no doubt about it had to have them in there three fight of the years couldn't leave them off and then it was placing that last fight was the difficult one for vandalay uh before you joined us in the green room pre-show gee ak and i were talking ak says he thinks that there are two like no doubt about it i am not sure that there are any i have two that i think you both will have but I can contemplated leaving both of them off my list. They ultimately made the cut. So I will start uh, chronologically with my list. And the first fight off, or the first fight I have on is uh, Kazushi Sakuraba, Pride 13, March 25th, 2001. This oh. is his first victory over Sakuraba. He ultimately goes 3-0 and over Sakuraba in their rivalry. Um, maybe not his most iconic win. I felt this was, this was one I wanted to put on here because one... I feel like you got to have the Sakuraba rivalry in there. It was such a key part to his pride run and to his stardom and ascension. The second Sakuraba fight uh, is a straight up like a better fight to watch than this first one, but it ends really weirdly. Sakuraba breaks his clavicle or separates his shoulder, one of the two. I'm not actually sure. Kind of ends sort of lamely between rounds. And then the third fight, we're past it with Sakuraba. This is the fight, though. It wasn't his first pride win. Um, you know, this actually came after the Dan Henderson uh, and Guy Metzger wins, but this is really the fight to me that signaled his arrival. He's the dude now. Sakuraba was kind of the guy. He's coming off the hoist win. He he is now the man in Pride, or one of the dudes in Pride that's going to carry the standard bear or carry the flag. Um, and it's just a pure annihilation. I mean, he runs right over Sakuraba. So. Do either of you have Sakuraba 1 in your lists? Yes, sir. Way to go, Gee. 
AK is staring silently I, at me as if he left it off. And that's no, okay. I, I, I don't went, think there's I, any wrong way to go. I went Sakuraba 3. I went Sakuraba 3. You I went do. Sakuraba 3. Yeah, what I know this me. is the... I, <laughs> Defend yourself. I'm a cruel yourself. man. I am a cruel man. Uh, I know that... Spider, by the way. I don't, doesn't like violence. <laughs> One of the nastiest KOs you'll ever see in your life of an absolute so legend. <laughs> <laughs> an, uh, blanketly unnecessary fight. Pre-fight, mm -hmm. pre-fight, Quadros and Boss are talking. I think mm -hmm. it was Quadros and Boss. I could be yeah. wrong in that. Like, what do you want to see happen if Zakharaba loses? Yeah. I hope he retires. He's taking that's too a, many yeah, shots. That's Boss. Boss, boss is like, says. yeah. Boss is like, <laughs> I want him to, you know, still have his faculties and mm -hmm. not talk like a punch drunk or whatever. And then he goes and gets like the worst knockout of his entire career. And then he goes on to fight for another twelve years. <laughs> He does, and honestly, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it because he still has some good. I mean, immediately after this, he freaking unbelievably beats Kevin Randleman immediately after this fight. No regrets. So no regrets. I, I'm fine with it. Um, Sakuraba, for those of you listening who know him, he is the one of the patron saints of this podcast. Him, Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit. Justin Gaethje one day will be considered a patron saint, but he's still you know, doing it. Um, Sakuraba is going to have his day. Don't you worry, y'all. Okay. So, so Guy, you selected this Sakuraba fight. Uh, is it for the similar reasons I did? Um, talk me through it. Yeah. It's, you, you just have to, to have Sakuraba there. And it's, I mean, uh, aside from AK, who's just a mean dude, that's that's the the <laughs> the fight that made Vanderlei a superstar in Japan, like destroying Sakuraba the first time. The other ones are just like repeating the damage. But the first one was just who made him just a superstar there. So we have to it has to be there. Uh, I'm glad that you're not a cruel man like yeah, AK I'm not, is. I'm not. Um, I don't like Vanderlei that much. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I'm assuming none of you, given that you both have a Sakuraba fight, none of you have multiple Sakuraba. Neither of you have multiples, no. right? You didn't put two. I don't okay. hate him that much. Only AK does. I, <laughs> I think I, I wrote I wrote for my choice of three. Uh, uh, this was the de the definitive Vanderlei Sakuraba mercy killing. So I guess that's why I wanted to have made sure this was represented. I agree. This the the stakes weren't quite as high as the first fight. I I understand this was this was after seeing that first fight. People kind of knew every time they ran in, they ran into each other, it was just going to be a classic. Like oh my god, Sakuraba's too tough for his own good. Um, but I do I do like the fact that he knocks him stone stone uh frozen on the ground and uh it's just it's funny to me so that's why I <laughs> in sakuraba's defense in the third fight he is giving a good accounting of himself before getting absolutely laid out just a, um, a one-two combo though, down he, down the middle just and it's oh, gone he is just sends him just absolutely sends him there. hey look it's one of the best highlights so i don't i don't really have an issue with you i do think that i thought that this could happen and this is going to be this is really interesting. This might be the first time in the history of this show that a, a champion is being, you know, remembered and the fight that they won the title is not part of their Mount Rushmore because he wins the, the inaugural middleweight title over Sakuraba in the second fight. And I didn't think anyone would have it in there because it's, it's the least memorable of the three, frankly. So ends in, yeah. ends in an injury, right? Ends in yeah, injury. ends in an injury. It's it's a decently competitive fight, but it just ends very weirdly, and it's not there. So I, I get it, but making history on damn the podcast. 
My number two, I really struggled with this because I thought about doing, I'm doing it chronologically. I thought about having some other pride fights in there. I'm ending with two pride fights in his uh, Mount Rushmore for me, which feels a little wrong holistically because pride is such a big part of him. But I went ultimately with the only fight that I think is going to be on both of yours for sure. Quentin Jackson two. Uh, it's at pride 28. It is one of the highlight knockouts of all time. Uh, it is the part of the fight of the year in 2004. It is the iconic one. When I think of Quentin rampage Jackson, uh, fighting Vanderlei Silva, frankly, when I just think of Vanderlei Silva, the, the fighter, the first thing you think is him kneeing Quentin through the ropes in the rematch. I think this is the only one that I'd feel pretty, pretty confident you guys, you'll, you'll both have on your list. So am I correct in that? Yes, sir. This, the, yeah, this was one of my locks. This was one of locks? my, I, I feel a lock. Again, it, it may be because of how iconic the finish is, could uh, and will, as a little teaser, fit into some of the other categories. Uh, but you have to. It's it's the second part of uh, an incredible feud. What, what would have been an incredible feud I, I, if the other fights, the other later unfortunate fights didn't happen? Just that two fight series was is a classic. It's like an all timer. Um, and the tension is so palpable and uh, Rampage, again, unlike the Sakuraba fights, it's not like Rampage, you know, it's not like, that, oh, he's just getting trotted out to get killed by like Vanderlei Gantt. It's like, oh, no, maybe this is a real shot of redemption for him. And he has his moments in the fight, but then just the way it ends, it's like, wow. It's like he, we know who the better man is, you know, in this, in this, uh, in this series. And it's so, so awesome. Dude, it's, I mean, it's such a better fight than I really remember it being mm -hmm. because the highlight that finish is so so dramatic it sticks out in your mind so much that you kind of forget that prior to this the fight was like prior to that happening the fight was awesome i entirely forgot and i've seen it a hundred times probably i entirely forgot that the knees were all were ultimately triggered by quinn ducking into a, a like just a vicious right hook and like you think of of rampage as an insanely durable dude because he is and was his whole career was incredibly durable and just getting hurt by a, by a Vandy hook and then just doing the same thing in the first one, only, only getting the more lasting image. I really struggled with this one versus the first one of, of Quentin. This is ultimately a better fight and a more iconic moment and image and gets there. But the first one, I think also, do either of you have the first Rampage fight in your Mount Rushmore's? No. I'm getting no's here. No, yeah. No, I had to pick I, I had to pick one. I, yeah, I, you gotta I, I pick one. Too. And like the thing is the first one though, he wins the middleweight Grand Prix, and it's it's also just sort of this epic moment where it had been a good fight and Rampage is on top for periods of it. And and doing doing what he did to Chuck Liddell, and then there's a, a yellow card and a stand up, and then here come the knees, and it's just there. So I picked this one, but I don't, again, I think you don't have to have this one on it if you don't want, which is no, sort of the to. problem. Yeah, it's a problem with it's, Vandalay. It's almost like after these first two picks, you feel like it should be a Mount Rushmore of just opponents, right? A, a, a Mount Rushmore of yeah. Vandalay. Oh, opponents. yeah. Because then you Honestly, easily fit in all three Sakuraba fights. You fit in all two. Quint uh, I'm going to say two. Four. I know there was four. <laughs> I just want to talk about the two. The fourth one uh, never <laughs> No, never fourth happened. one ever, ha never ever Frankly, happened. the third one never happened. Sometimes, nah, like the third one was <laughs> was was a big deal, but the fourth one was uh, so unnecessary. Third one was a big deal, but I was I would have been okay if it never happened. Yeah, but like yeah. yeah, you could have just yeah, yeah. you could just do 
you know, his Rampage, Sakuraba, Croak <laughs> up and like mm -hmm. Yoshida. And that would be a totally fine series of rivalries. Yeah. My next one, like I said, I ended up doing two UFC ones and I don't feel frankly good about either. I did go with Chuck Liddell, um, the UFC 79, December 29th, 2007. How can, how can you not feel good about that? How can you not? Th this is my lock. This is my other lock. I, I, I assume that this would be your other yeah, lock. I, I think that well. it's yeah. going to be on there. Have to. Yeah. Um, one, he does lose, which in, just hasn't been the rule. Like we've, we've had other losers on fight of the year tends to be a great ex exception for losing. Um, the reason I don't feel good about this one is even rewatching. I went and rewatched it this morning and it's, it's still a good fight. It still holds up. And I remember watching this live and being mm -hmm. so excited that even though it was so clearly past its sell by date. We were at least getting it. And they had they were both in a spot where it wasn't even that bad that it was late. It's not like one of them was surging. It's like, all right, both dudes are past it. Let's just have them give give what they got. And what they got was still a really good fight. And rewatching, I was just like, man, fights quality. This was four years too late. Like it is just, it hurts me to put this fight on the Rushmore, even though I think it deserves to be there. Has to be. Because it's still, this is not prime. This is not the, the A1 cut here. We are, this is the 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 flank of <laughs> Silva's career, and we're just doing the best we can with it. And so, it's why I almost left it off. I almost like, no. I'll just talk about it elsewhere, um, because you're not getting prime Vandalay, but you are getting flashes of prime Vandalay. And it is really exciting and, and great. So no, this is this is a lock. For, I got to defend this fight. This moment, this is a lock for me. For I get, I totally get what you're saying. And I think I probably watched it under a different context. You guys know we said this in the Fedor episode. I I missed a lot of the pride, uh, you know, mm -hmm. greatest moments as they happened. Right. So I caught them. Thank God for like HD Net. You know, uh, access to later. Shouts to HD Net. HD Net. Just replaying some of these things over and over and over and over again. It's wonderful. I'm just burning into my brain. But I, you know, I wasn't there in the moment. I remember when I watched this fight. I think I was still pretty young in my MMA fandom. And so a lot of the context had to sort of be like explained to me. I think I hadn't even seen the HTML highlights of Vanderlei and people were just saying like, and the, you know, you look at them, it's, it sells itself pretty easily. But yeah, this was his, uh, and I was familiar with Chuck Liddell. This was his first fight in the UFC after seven years. He returns to the UFC. Uh, this was my favorite fight for the longest time. Then Robbie Lawler came back and fought Carlos Condit and all this other stuff happened. And so it's, probably oh, still really? my okay yeah it's probably still my top 10 uh but not necessarily because i think like there's a nostalgia element for sure not like objectively sure. one of the 10 best fights ever it's one of my 10 favorite fights ever you're right way past its best before date even i could tell i was like i was kind of looking at like oh, okay and, and the people i was with were saying like this fight should happen years ago bro but it's gonna be sick and i'm like okay cool and they delivered man they delivered it was everything you would have wanted even though yes it wasn't the best version of themselves so many great exchanges um and the, what, what really gets me is also like, this is a career defining and life changing fight, I think for both guys, especially for Chuck, especially for Chuck. Um, I don't know if you'll remember this, is the last time Chuck Liddell won a fight, this was it. He beats Vanderlei and then is knocked out four straight times, three times in the first round. He's never the same, which makes um, Mike Goldberg's commentary hilarious because it's like at the end, he's like, he says, he's still got he's more shouting, to give. Chuck Liddell's back. The Iceman returns <laughs> again. Never want to fight again. But I really believe this fight took just whatever was left of Chuck's chin 
gone. Gone in this fight. He ate some bombs in this one. And so did Vanderlei. And Vanderlei still managed to win some fights after, go to some decisions after, but I still don't think he was the same. I think both guys mm-hmm. left something in there. And that's why I just, I can't, like, I can't look away from this fight. I think it's such an important part of, of Wandy's history, even if it is kind of the start of um, maybe one of the sadder stretches of a career. But he had some good wins after. He had a much better aftermath for Wandy than uh, Chuck Liddell. That's for sure. I love this fight. That fight, that, that, that fight is epic. I, I was I was not an MMA fan before I started working with MMA. Uh, I was hired by Tatami Magazine two weeks. I was like mid-December, and I was going to start working for them on January 2nd, 2008, like five days, four days after that fight. So I was just starting to watch it. And that was like the perfect way to to start my MMA fandom was watching that classic. It was surreal. It was, I, I know it wasn't prime Vendere. I know it wasn't prime Chuck, but that fight was incredible. That's a really good intro uh, for, and I think it's a terrific intro. Um, and maybe I'm just too close to it because I remember watching it and being electrified at the time, being like, look, it's worth it. Even though it's too late and we all kind of knew it, the fight still delivered. The fight was still awesome. Um, and I think maybe it's just like, I have a, just a different relationship to it now. Cause we watch him like, Oh, I really wanted it more. But at the same time, one of my overarching thoughts when I was rewatching it this time was like, this is, this is how you're supposed to do it. Like we don't have to, to send legends out with just kill shots against people who are just going to annihilate them. Like let them do this. Because this is this is what makes sense for them. We need more of this. Even though both dudes kept fighting afterwards. Could have been a really nice way to end both of their careers, frankly. Um, but we did it. And that left us with my last pick for the Mount Rushmore. Probably the pick I feel the least good about, if we're being honest. Um, but I went with Vanderlei's very next fight. His knockout, 36-second knockout of Keith Jardine at UFC 84. That ends up being knockout of the year for 2008 uh, by some estimations. It's awesome. I remember that fight being just the best because Vanderlei at that point had lost three in a row. I mean, two of them badly. He lost the Crow Cop rematch with the nasty head kick. Dan Henderson had put him out. And then the Chuck Liddell fight, he had shown something, but he was clearly pretty small uh, against Chuck. He we all kind of thought Chuck might be on the way out as well. And then he loses that fight, gets hurt several times. We think this could be tough. He comes in against Keith Jardine, a guy who at the time was doing well, you know, coming off his own victory of Chuck Liddell and just blasts him. Um, And it's awesome. It's vintage Vandy. He just comes in, runs right over him. Just devastating hammer shots with the, with the choke hold (laughs) finish on the ground, which which was a, a very hot uh, internet topic at the time because, like, you're theoretically not supposed to just actually strangle someone with your with your hands like that. He was holding him down by the neck. That's yeah. not the same thing as choking. Come yeah. on, that's I mean, not the same. Thing. Just be gentle. Just don't I, move. It was. Don't I move. was. Yeah, yeah. Please I, stop <laughs> moving, sir. Please stop moving, yeah. sir. Yeah. I I think Keith Jardine would have preferred that he uh, actually just be throttled like that as opposed to eat the monstrous shots that came down on him. But, uh, it you know, when you win knockout of the year, it's going to be really hard for me to leave 
leave that out of the Mount Rushmore, um, particularly because this was such a meaningful win to me as a fan at the time. Hey, we got one more. Vandy, you know, goes out there and just gets blasted and retires soon. So, okay, we got we got the vintage back, and it's always a really, really good feeling to see the vintage come out one more time, like with Robbie Lawler and his retirement, like with any of those scenarios. So that that rounds out my Mount Rushmore. Do either of you have Keith Jardine? It wasn't no, on, talk- my, on my list, but I didn't get it. I have it in okay. another category, so I do want to talk about it more, but yeah. Reasonable. Gee, what, Gee, what was your fourth then? It was Brian Stan. Yes, yeah, there you go. It yeah, was like, I mean, it, being also, in Japan, it was surreal. It was a fantastic fight. Like, credit to Brian Stan, because he, he's also the reason why that fight was amazing, because he chose to to say, fuck it, let's, let's <laughs> just have fun. And have yep. fun like that against Manuel Silva is, is not something 99% of the people in the world would do. And uh, so credit to Brian Stan, but that fight was incredible. Being in Japan, like, that was amazing to watch. That was so fun. I got, I, I have this fight in another category. Okay. But Me too. absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, rewatch this as well. Fight is sick. I mean, Brian Stan hurts Vandy like several times. Yes. Yeah. It? This could and have Vandy gone just very, keeps going. This could have gone very poorly for yeah. Vander, but, for Vandy. Yeah. But Brian's just down to get down, just boogie and just kind of folds in like it's is one of the most classic Vandelay performances where he gets hurt because he got hurt or sat to a knee or dropped like even a ton in pride in against people he should have run over. The way he fought just opened himself up to catch counters. Brian Stan just couldn't be savage as long as Vanderlei could. And the fact that it happens in Saitama, um, you know, it's fight of the night, it's knockout of the night, it's all these things. Uh, Brian Stan's final career fight, I think that uh, that I sort of vacillated between that versus Keith Jardine as my last spot. Uh, I went with the KO of the year because it's cheap heat, but I totally get this one. Um this should have been the final fight for both these guys. In a perfect world, this would have been Brian Stan's retirement. This would have been Vanderlei Silver's retirement, and it would, it, it would, have, I think it would have made it. I almost want to say it would have made it like a lock if we had, if it had been able to go out like this. I think because Vanderlei fought again in a couple of completely forgettable fights after. Yes, it if, diminishes. If this was this his moment. retirement fight, this is a lock. Yeah. This is a, a guaranteed lock. Oh, what a shame! What a shame! Because Brian Stan's a hero. Uh, yeah, and, and this this fight may also benefit from uh, like relative recency. I was ten years ago now, but relative recency compared to you know the majority of his career. So, but um, yeah, I had it on here, but I didn't feel super strong about it. There's just a lot of great fight. I don't know if you want to start writing down the honorable mentions because there's like ten. So wait, what are, <laughs> what are your four then? You have you so, have Rampage two, Chuck Liddell, uh, Brian three, Stan, and Stan. Sakuraba three, and Sakuraba three. Okay, yeah. um, which is interesting because I thought we'd end up here as well. Um, my top honorable mention, the, the actual one that would have been, would have replaced any of these if I had changed them, uh, it's Hidehiko Yoshida, the first encounter at Pride Final Conflict 2003. I'm really confident saying that this is the first time and maybe the only time in the history of this program that a fight of the year will get left off of Mount Rushmore. This is a 2003 fight of the year per Wrestling Observer, who's like one of maybe two companies doing things like that for me at this point the fight is sick if you have gone back and rewatched it it's the semifinals of the middleweight grand prix um it is the fight that happens the same night 
that he fights Quentin Jackson the first time. That's right. He fights Hideki Yoshida to a, a 15-minute decision in a back-and-forth scrap that's super dope. And then he goes and knees Quentin Jackson unconscious to claim the middleweight Grand Prix title. Um, I left it off just because it was like, it's not the most memorable fight of the year in that regard. And really the thing you remember from that evening is the Quentin J Jackson win. So kind of just missed for me, but uh, I mean, I highly recommend anyone with a fight pass subscription, go back and watch it. It's underrated. Good fight. Those are mixing of the, the martial same. arts though. AK. They Those mix were the martial the same arts. Day. Those fights were in the same day, same day. That's crazy. Yep. MMA was crazy. That's how they used to do the GPs in Pride. <laughs> that is they insane. Do like, they'll do an opening round and then a quarterfinals and then the semis and the finals are on Good the same Lord. day. What were we doing back then? This is, this is animals. Animals. So uh, <laughs> that fight also, the, the counterpart on the other side of the middleweight bracket, if you recall, or maybe you won't recall as you weren't a, a big fan at the time or whatever, uh, the fight that preceded that for Quentin Jackson was his victory over Chuck Liddell. And I remember like the narrative after the fact became deep in the forums, at least man, Vanderlei really got, got handed some, some good options from pride. They, they set Quentin up in tougher spots. They set Vanderlei up in better spots where he's going to have an easier road through tournaments. And like, I'm not totally opposed to that. I mean, Quentin Jackson had to fight Merle Bustamanche, in the quarterfinals, barely won that fight. Then he gets Chuck Liddell. Um, and at the time, you remember Chuck Liddell, he'd just beaten Alistair Overeem. That's supposed to be the setup fight. The whole goal is to have Vanderlei and Chuck in the tournament finals here. And Rampage screws that all up. But at the same time, like if you go back and watch, yes, Chuck Liddell is undeniably a harder opponent than Hideki Yoshida. But I mean, he still fought Hideki Yoshida for 15 hard minutes like that. He had more time in the cage coming into that final fight. And so it was a thing I kind of didn't remember until I went back and rewatched how good the, the Yoshida, the first Yoshida fight is. Second one's also fine. Um, not, not nearly as quality though. So that was my first honorable mention. I think you could have a ton of them. We already talked about Rampage 1, uh, which uh, was my second honorable mention. I also want to throw a shout out here because I think the rest of these are can kind of will probably get talked about in other categories I'd have. Mm -hmm. But just uh, the other one that I had that I really gave some consideration to was Mark Hunt Pride Shockwave 2004. Oh. <laughs> it is it's the fight that ends uh, Vandalay's undefeated streak. So he's undefeated for five years. Probably should have won the fight if we're being mm. honest. I mean the commentators. Uh, Randy Couture, who's in the booth for that boss are there. And they're both like pretty sure that Mark Hunt didn't win this. We get the atomic butt drop. One of my favorite moments in MMA history. When we do Mark Hunt, that's that a 10, be, eight. Uh, that's a t not that they yeah. use that scoring system, but that's a 10, eight in like the modern, like you automatic drop somebody automatic 10, eight. It's tough. Um, and yeah, just like the other circumstances, Vandalay took the fight on like three days notice or something. Mark Hunt clearly weighed 80 pounds. <laughs> or more more than him um and he's in there fighting a you know a k1 champion and probably beating him so uh I, that was just like i was kind of trying to figure out what other pride fight i would put in over the second ufc bout if i was going to do it and that's a fight that like, it's not the most meaningful i think the crow cop fights are more meaningful etc but uh i think he wins the fight and so that makes it a little more but what do you guys have for, for honorable mentions here 
Go ahead, Guy. What was your what was your hardest uh, to leave off? Yeah, I mean the whole Ricardo Arona rivalry. It's so important for the history of the sport, like shoots boxing Brazilian top team. But the fights the, the classic rivalry. Yeah, but the the fights weren't as like good enough to to beat the other ones and get to the Mount Rushmore. So, but those fights are so important, so key to his to his history in the history of Brazilian MMA and pride itself. So it's hard to to leave Arona's name out, out of this. I think that that's... Arona is one of those guys where I said I had some notes. Arona was hard for me to fit into places in the categories as constructed because you're right, these were super meaningful. When Arona beats him in the middleweight Grand Prix in 05, by this time I'm like actually a fan of MMA, keeping up with stuff on Sherdog and stuff. Um, and that is like a really big moment because that's Vanderlei actually losing a middleweight fight. Um, doesn't end up losing his title. And then that became a whole thing, which always felt a little like I got it. I understood it, but it felt like people who hated pride and or Vanderlei latched onto that of he's not even defending his title in these, like he's not really the champion, but it makes sense because it wasn't the same, like the title, it was a two round fight instead of a three round fight. Like, so it's, just not a title fight, which kind of makes sense. Sort of just how Pride did business. And then they run it back, whatever that was, six months later, however many months it is. Um, and that fight's really contentious. You know, go to the split decision. That fight, AK Lee, I don't know if you know this or not, the second Arona fight, that's where we get the wonder that is Charles Crazy Horse Bennett and all of that. Oh. Because Oh dear! The, before the that cra- fight, before that before fight, fight, the crazy horse run-in yeah. happens before that fight, and so <laughs> I don't think Vanderly Silva gets enough credit for getting knocked out cold by Charles <laughs> Bennett, uh, and then waking up and going and fighting Ricardo Arona and beating what? him. Is it time? Like pretty tough. Do we, do we have it under another? Uh, I didn't know where to talk about Crazy Horse. I kind of, I think we. Can I kind of loosely have him tied into several categories. Okay. So do we want to hold off on it for now? We can just get into the crazy horse thing right now. Okay. Before, before we do, no, let's get into it now. Let's get into it now. Let's, let's, um, might as well. Who who wants to recap exactly what happened here? Cause years later, I still get the details kind of mixed up in my head, (laughs) but it has to Um, be mentioned. So it, it's understandable to get the details mixed up in your head, but the, shortest version of this that I have is immediately before the Ricardo Arona fight at Shockwave 05. The the rematch, the one where like, hey, this is the dude who just beat Vanderlei in the GP. Maybe he's actually the best middleweight. As Guy said, it's Brazilian top team versus shoot the box. Like, I don't know if there's ever been a more iconic rivalry in MMA, but certainly in the mid-2000s, like that was the thing. Um, and probably still is like the thing. I can't even think of another rivalry that's akin to that today. Prior to that, uh, Key, who was it? It was so, one of Vanderlei's teammates, uh, and like there are a ton of videos, not of Vanderlei getting knocked out, but of Christian Marcelo uh, choking him out. Christian Marcelo, that's it, who chokes out uh, Crazy Horse in the locker room after they get into it. I don't even remember what it's about, but like you can see videos of that whole confrontation happening. Of of Crazy Horse, now known as Felony, but I'm never going to call him that. Crazy Horse getting choked out, and he yeah. wakes up, and then allegedly, which I think it's not even allegedly, I think it's just confirmed at this it's point. Confirmed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wakes up and just knocks out Vandalay Silva, Charles Crazy Horse Bennett. Um, for those who are unaware, uh, is 
uh, I, I guess at the time he was in the lightweight division. I don't remember what they called that. Did they call that welterweight in, in pride? Maybe, maybe they just called it lightweight, like 155 pounder who knocks out the baddest dude on the planet for all intents and purposes at that point. Um, and it just became this huge thing as of course it would just imagine if, if uh, well, I'm trying who is the baddest two or five on the planet right now, guys, it's that's up for debate. <laughs> Given given the current UFC rankings yeah. and how light heavyweights go down, <laughs> let's uh, say it was Yuri Prohashka. Let's say, okay, <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, let's say it's Yuri Prohashka. Let's if Yuri Prohashka gets into an altercation with, because it's not even like he was like a top top lightweight at that time. Say if um, who's a Bobby Green? Honestly, perfect, uh, perfect correlate. If Bobby Green just wakes up and just sleeps Yuri Prohashka before <laughs> UFC 295, <laughs> and then then Yuri goes out there and beats Alex Pereira at UFC 295, still it was freaking insane at the time, and has sort of still been insane forever. Crazy Horse and Vanderlei have beefed th- about it for years. Uh, when Crazy Horse, um was in Ryzen and one of my favorite moments in MMA, maybe not history, but certainly of the past decade is crazy horse makes his Ryzen debut. I think it might be the last time crazy horse won a fight. Actually, he goes in and just kills Minoru Kimura in like four seconds or something dumb. Oh, um, and then sprints around the ring and yep. is doing crazy horse thing and then gets the mic and, Calls out for a fight with Vandalay okay, <laughs> so, wasn't in his corner. Yeah, Vandalay was yeah. there. It was yeah. awesome. It was. Uh, this is the best. I, I don't have a lot to add. I just I just remembered that when we did our twenty five best moments to celebrate uh, the twenty five anniversary twenty fifth anniversary of Pride. Uh, this Charles Bennett knocking out Vanderlei made it. Even though we don't have footage, it still it still yeah. made our list. It had it had to be talked about. It lived on Should the forums forever. Of course, people to, to delete the footage because they were filming. Yeah. They, 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 they filmed it when Cristiano Massaro choked him out. And then he wakes up. That footage made it. We got killed. that footage. Yeah, yeah, we have the Yeah, but we, and so he wakes wait, up and goes to, to Venice, he knocks his album and just runs away. They go to to the to private uh, employees are filming there and just, just erase that shit. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> So, Guy, do you think it's out there somewhere? Like, do you think that someone saved it somewhere? No, I don't think so. I think it's gone? The, the oh. old cameras, you know, just rewind this shit and film over oh. it. So, not like, like backup. There's no backup. It sucks so hard because you kind of understand it, but one, that was always going to get out. Like, there was yeah. that was never going to be something that stayed hidden. And two, this far removed everyone would just love to have that. Like, I think everyone involved would be like, it honestly be kind of dope to still have that running around on the internet. Yeah. Um, and God, I would love it so much. Crazy horse, crazy horse is for sure. Getting a damn if he ever retires, but I'm not sure that day will ever come. It has to be um, a damn. They were weird though. Not a damn. Oh, I mean, he's, good. yeah, he is. I'm not sure he was ever good, but he was incredible. He is um, like the Forrest Gump of MMA. If Forrest Gump was a psychopath. <laughs> That 
I'm going to have to marinate on that one. Yeah, I'm not think sure. about it. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll think about it. Maybe um, he hasn't been quite, quite as entrenched in the history of MMA, but it does feel it, like his name pops up in some weirdly notable it, 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 like, Oh, in, in that regard, yes. He does yeah. kind of show up in some weird spots of, yeah. of uh, infamy, I guess. So, yeah, that uh, I think the Arona fights key are to get us back to where we started. Oh, yes, going right. Down okay. the crazy All right. <laughs> I have a feeling we're it'll come up again. The crazy horse trail. It'll come up again. But yes, go on. I'm sorry. It will come up again. Uh, <laughs> the Arona fights were ones that, like like we said at the top, I didn't know where to put them. Like, I think they matter. I think they're significant. Had nowhere to put them. Um, so I didn't know what to do with it. You, uh, Guy, any other honorable mentions? No, I think that's the one. That's the one that... I almost got in. AK, what about you? So you said the opponent Mount Rushmore would be Sakuraba, Rampage, Arona, and Yoshida. Oh, Krokop. I think I think Krokop well, makes, oh, makes yeah. that thing. Interesting. Okay, so that was my I other Yosh- one. I- Yoshida is like the forgotten all of these yeah. fights for him, okay. despite them being decent fights. I think I think you gotta go Krokop. Their uh their pair of fights is certainly iconic in the history of Pride. Um, and even if maybe those didn't really ultimately work out great for him, I would say he won the first one. Um, yeah, v- Vanderlei Krokop won at Pride 20, April 2002, was my one I almost put instead of Stan. I was like, because it's a, kind of an important it. It's kind of an important fight to watch. It's a weird fight. It's, um, they were, I think they had special rules. Yeah, with with some, I don't know if it was just Krokop, but I think some of the kickboxers coming over, it was like to make it easier for them. It was like not easier, was, not easier to it, win, but transition they did it early transition. on with K one guys to make it a little simpler because they started yeah. bringing a lot of K one dudes in, and instead of having them fight full MMA rules, yeah, yeah, uh, it was sort of a it was like hybrid, you, sort sort of a Pancras style almost, where sure. if you got to the if you get to the ropes, um, not like a, if you grab the ropes and pancreas, the the submission lock has to be released or whatever, like pro mm-hmm. wrestling. But uh, if you get like under the ropes where they would normally restart you in the center, which is how they sort of solved that issue, the issue of the ring in pride, uh, they just stood you up. Right. And and also if the bout went the distance, it would go to a draw. This, cha- yeah, this no, did no change judges. later. So yeah, this were- did change later. To some extent, exhibitions in that regard. No judges. Yeah. And as you said, it feels like uh, Vanderlei won this fight. Vanderlei definitely won the fight by just about any metric. I think he beat Mirko Krokop in the first fight. Everyone remembers the second fight, the head kick. I've seen that highlight so many times. This first fight does not get talked about a lot. And again, this is a legit heavyweight going against a guy who's probably a 185er, right? I mean, we know he's competing at. uh, what because middleweight in pride was still like over 185 it wasn't 200 200 but he's Middle, a middleweight in pride was like yeah. 199 or that's just not cutting weight that's just not cutting weight that's just vanderlei walking around and, and miracle's not like an enormous heavyweight but he is legitimate heavyweight and vanderlei takes it to him like he, he mixes the martial arts he he wins a lot, some of the striking exchanges it's really impressive to watch. So that one is like a sneaky one. I would almost tell, but it's almost not like essential. It's like, it's more like a, you know, people's it's, it's a shame if people don't talk about this one because it's, he may have beaten Mirko the first time. Yeah. I mean, if they had judges, he definitely is beating Mirko the first time. Like that's mm. the commentary talks about it. I think it's Quadros and boss on the call again. And they're like, yeah, I think I know we don't have any judges, but it feels like Vandalay did enough. Um, you got to see, Part of Vandalay's game that I remember less and less until I went and did this is uh, just how comfortable he was grappling. I mean, you think of him as a shoot the box Muay Thai guy, um, and like that's certainly the bulk of his game. But he 
was happy to work from the top position, happy to get takedowns and kind of, you know, BJJ black belt as well. So, um, yeah, I think Crow Cop is definitely the Mount Rushmore of rivalries of fighters, if you want to put there. Um, and this would, this is a better fight to put on Vandalay's Mount Rushmore than Crow Cops. If we do Crow Cop, hint, hint, we are doing Crow Cop later this year. I'm pretty sure that uh, Vandalay 2 will be on Crow Cop's Mount Rushmore, at least for me. All right, next category. We've done the big one. We're an hour in. This is great because now we're moving into the other stuff. The I'm not impressed by your performance award. Uh, I'm not impressed by your performance. For uh, the low point of the fighter's career, the, the, the thing that you're not impressed by. AK, I'm really excited to hear from you on this one. We were talking about it pre-show. You have a list. You think, and, and you rightly point out that there are a number of low spots. I agree absolutely understand this this statement i wrote two answers down i wrote one actual answer it was immediately jumped to my head it's the only answer i'm going to accept as the winner in this category and then i have a second one that i just kind of want to talk about i'm excited to hear what your answers are though because you seem to you seem to have a harder time uh yeah my first note was is this where we talk about the charles bennett incident but we kind of already just did <laughs> and it's it's and it's such a weird moment it's almost not like you almost wouldn't call it the lowest point because it's just this thing that happens backstage and he's talked about it they uh, got no, rid back, of the video might be the lowest point the video. the video was out there <laughs> but hey now it's just people's account but even vanderlei has talked about it so um so i was like do we talk about it now the first thing that came up, and I don't know if this is necessarily my pick, was him just getting starched by Chris Lieben in 27 seconds. Um, it's it's a great moment for me. I'm a big Chris Lieben guy, and I felt like he had a very good chance to knock Vanderlei out. But looking back on it, it, it just was kind of – it feels a bit sad. It feels a little disappointing because Vanderlei, I never – like it, it just felt wrong to him to, for him to end up as part of Chris Lieben's highlight reel. Like It just shouldn't have gone that way. Um, so I love it, but it's a pretty dark point. Again, thankfully he does have uh, other highlights after that, but just in isolation, if you're looking at the latter stages of your career, besides the Bellator stuff, that's like about, that's, it's really bad. It's like as bad as it got in the UFC. Um, so my other mentions were, uh, again, you know, getting killed by Rampage. The last two fights wasn't great. He is right. The third fight, whatever is an exciting moment. The fourth fight, eh. Uh, being on the receiving end of the butt bomb, yes, losing and uh, having his his um, well, how many fights? What was how many? What was his win streak in Pride? Uh, undefeated 18. streak. 18, eighteen fight undefeated streak. Uh, and then a split decision. You know, maybe disputed, but split decision to Mark Hunt. That feels not great. And then uh, the uh, Chelsea and uh, not letting him get close on the set of the Ultimate Fighter. I always feel like didn't go his way. The uh, yeah, I, I can't let you get close to me. And then sonan takes him that's down. really what a weird moment <laughs> so, and i didn't i didn't so know that's else actually to fit a really good one yeah i didn't know where else to fit it it's not a great moment for vanderley though that whole yeah. that uh, whole season is a shockingly uh bad moment for vanderley because sonan comes off as a super nice guy which is shocking yeah. and the fighters fell in love with him and uh uh, uh Vandy, i don't know if he ever quite got a feel for the show he came off as not the I don't want to say the villain, but man, Sonnen got Sonnen, what should have been an easy, like, wow, Vanderlei's the hero. Sonnen's like a piece of crap, uh, you know, and unfortunately the fight didn't happen at the time uh, after, but it should have been very clear cut lines. And it said, Vandy came off a little, like a little unlikable on the show. Yeah. That is a terrific answer. Mm. 
um, which I didn't honestly somehow escape me. But yeah, that because I, I kind of have that tied into some of some of this other thing I want to talk about here. But the that whole thing with Chael Sonnen is is a pretty bad look for for Vandy. So I'm it was a great answer. I will also acknowledge that your Chris Lieben choice. If I was you know what? Let's go to Guy before I acknowledge your Chris Lieben choice. Guy, what do you got here? AK's list is pretty good, but my low moment wasn't there. And I and I I don't accept any other answer, but my mine is is just the right answer. I hope the we have the same point, right answer. The lowest point of Vanilla's career is him like running from the back door of his gym from a drug <laughs> test and getting suspended like for an eternity. <laughs> And eventually comes back, but allegedly <laughs> run away from your gym, like hiding from someone who's going to drug test you. That was just bizarre. That was just surreal. So and that's, that's the second answer I have. The fact that never happened and only happened years later in, in Bellator. But that's just bizarre. That's just bizarre, man. You can't do that. That's the second answer I had. Um, at- <laughs> We'll get to him first in a second. That's what I have. Just sort of the end of his UFC career, how all of that happened, the the refusing to drug test, the running away, getting banned for life. Um, the uh, I don't know if you guys remember the accusation. was like four years, five years? Bef- oh, uh, no, he, w- he was originally banned for life, yeah, and then yeah. they overturned it. So- I, right, right, right together with Nick Diaz, like five years, yeah. and stuff like that. I this had to, crazy uh, times. <laughs> I had to dig this up. Uh, Guy, you spoke to Vanderlei for MAFighting.com. It's April 2015. The headline, Vanderlei Silva calls out of competition drug testing, quote, Against the Constitution, so pretty strong, pretty strong. If people look this up. This is a, a Greek news interview. I'm very Say about it's, that. Um, it's it's obviously unconstitutional. Why would we do this? It was incredible in real time, being like feeling like physically cringe, like oh, you're so important to this sport and this. Why? Ooh, just don't like just fail the drug test, man. Yeah. Like. Anderson Silva failed some drug tests. John, like a lot of people failed drug tests and we're okay with it. Don't do this. And then I think the part that people don't remember is like the him tying this in to accusations that the UFC was fixing fights. Yeah, it's and all like again. How freaking check- insane that all got. <laughs> people check out this interview. Yeah, Guy, this was a phenomenal interview, by the way. I remember I remember reading this aside. It's been a while since I've read it, but this was a phenomenal interview. You got him talking about you got him talking about everything in this. Like he had no no filter. This is no filter banner. Like just going in. That. Wow. It's just, it's wow. Just, yeah. 20, April I think that's a wow. that's a terrific answer. And if I didn't have my answer, that would be my number one because that's good. The whole end of his UFC career was bizarre and bad and painful in ways that we really didn't need for him but the only true answer here it it doesn't even go to him it's not vandy doesn't win this vanderlei's plastic surgeon wins this because i don't care if you can breathe now drickus duplessis got a nose job and he looks the same that dude's face changed overnight in a way that like the internet did not stop talking about for years joe rogan in the Rich Franklin fight, like notes it and is like, dude, he looks weird. <laughs> it is so a guy who had had, um, let me figure out how many fights he had had before then. 
like 40 some odd professional fights and then just like fundamentally looked different. A, a guy that we had known and was just like, Hey, and I get it. He did it for medical reasons, mm-hmm. but like get you a better plastic surgeon. My guy, like your nose, a nose has not changed that much since Michael Jackson. as well. We just, and he's had right. a, every, every punch he was getting here. It was open. So yeah. he just uh, changed the bones. Yeah, just like it, did like, the saw down thing that they like said that Nick Diaz oh, yeah. did or wherever. It's like, I did, I did interview once once with Anderson Silva right after he did that, that that incredible piece of art on his face, and Anderson Silva was getting weird in interviews. He wasn't like answering uh, questions uh, normally, like a normal human being, and <laughs> I was just tired. I mean, I fucking, I was just in this interview, and he's like, no. no Answer, uh, ask me different questions. And the first one I asked was, how, how do you like Vettelissi was new face? <laughs> and he's like, he's so sexy. He's like Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I, I disagree with that assessment. Um, I personally believe that it wasn't a good look for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, he gets his surgery to remove scar tissue and has his bones and when Joe Rogan is like, dude, that looks like a totally different person when he's walking out to the cage. You're like, yeah, he does. I really, I'm not sure I would have known that was Vandalay Silva. If, I, if he wasn't about to fight, like if I saw him on the street, I'm gonna be like, you kind of look like Vandalay Silva, but like maybe his brother, like his less talented cousin. I don't know. And so that's always going to be it for me because whether this is true or not, his career never recovered mentally in my mind from when he stopped being Vandalay to, being that dude so Bondi, you're still beautiful you're still beautiful in your own way don't listen to these haters you're still beautiful. we're we're all we're all you're beautiful. beautiful no matter what they say okay we're all I'm, i right. didn't make one statement about the attractiveness of the surgery okay simply that he had a face and then he had a totally different face they are not the same face at all and it still is a little jarring when you like google vanderlei silva or whatever and the first things that come up are photos of his new face and you're like oh no no not not that guy let's give me the old face <laughs> give me proper Vondi. so that's my answer and i'm sticking to it yeah, it's a good one next category the who the fuck is that guy award <sighs> who the fuck is that guy Uh, this is for the weirdest, uh, most odd fighter that Vandalay Silva ever faced in his career. I'll be honest with you, boys. I didn't spend a ton of time deep diving on this one. One, because a lot of the dudes he fought, we know them. <laughs> there are a lot of guys who we are ext- intimately familiar with. And then some of the dudes I did like maybe try and go look into some of his early Valley Tudo fights, but nobody really jumped out at me there. I got two answers. Um, one, which I believe is the true and, and rightful answer to this, maybe the most definitive, who the fuck is that guy of all time? Because I truly don't know who the fuck this guy is. I, I tried. I put a lot of my time prepping deep diving to figure out exactly who the fuck Tatsuya Iwasaki is. And I got to tell you, with all of that time, I came up with nothing. If you don't know who he is, congratulations. No, neither does anyone else other than, I guess, his family members. This is a guy that Vandalay fought at Pride Shockwave in 2002. This is right after the Mirko Krokop draw. He is 
already the Pride Middleweight Champion. This is a non-title bout against a 0-0 zero zero fighter who never fights again, who the broadcast doesn't even tell you shit about. It's just like he's got a, a Kyokushin background, and that's about it. Like That's all the facts we got, and I, for the life of me, couldn't find any more facts about this young man who fights Vandalay at 33, never competes again, gets his doors blown off in, in a minute and 16 seconds, and that's it. Like, I know that Pride has jobbers, and that's okay. I just, I truly don't know how this fight happened at all. So, he is my who the fuck is that guy, and I have one honorable mention. Do I, did either of you also decide on Iwasaki, or do you have other who the fuck I is just, that guys for, I just for know, consideration? I just want to how has this fight not been flagged on Tapology yet for potential like, <laughs> <laughs> lack of legitimacy? Uh, wow, I did not even that that does stand out like a sore thumb on his like you're just looking at his Wikipedia. It's his random name, no Wikipedia. It's, it's entry. like the only dude after he becomes famous that doesn't have a Wikipedia page that he fights, that and so you go into Tapology to like see okay, like sometimes that happens. Maybe he's a pro wrestler. Certainly in Pride, you got a lot of. Here's a pro wrestler who's going to compete um, because people know him. To the best of my knowledge, I couldn't even confirm he was a pro wrestler for like NJPW or whatever. It's just just a dude. And the only thing I can see is on Tapology. Tapology says uh, that there was a canceled bout between Gerald Venetian and Vandalie Silva at the same event at Pride Shockwave. However, Gerald Venetian ends up Compete. He's a, a Dutch kickboxer who didn't have an illustrious MMA career or whatever. Gerald uh, Gerald still competes at Shockwave. He just fights a different dude at Shockwave. So I have no idea how this shook out. I don't understand what has gone on here. I couldn't find any evidence of why this happened. He is the most who the fuck is that dude that's maybe ever been. We should find this guy. Maybe I'll hit up Drake Riggs. Drake Riggs is down with the Japanese MMA scene. Maybe I'll tell him, can you find this guy? Can you just do sure an interview alive? with Tatsuya Iwasaki because I can't. Like originally I had um, the first guy I thought of when I was doing this was Alexander Otsuka, um, who is another one of the cans that, that Vandalay crushed um, at Pride 18. It was his first fight after winning the middleweight title. That is at least like a guy who makes sense in the twisted sense of pride because uh, he was a professional wrestler and he was basically exclusively a pride can. Like they brought him in to, to fight and lose to people. Um, it was a fight that would not have made sense under normal circumstances. He was two and eight heading into it. Um, but, you know, he lost to uh, Igor and Henzo and Ken Shamrock and Rampage and He's just a dude that was a pro wrestler that people knew that you could get good wins over and look good. So that fight makes sense. I wanted to mention that fight, though, because uh, hearing Boss and Quadros talk about that fight beforehand is hilarious because they are actually trying to sell this as real competition, and that's just quite funny to be like. Stephen Quadros is like, yeah, but uh, Atsuka is kind of the upset kid. He was 2-8 and eight heading into this. He was not the upset kid. He had upset Marco Huas, which, you know, the connection with Vandalay, I guess. Still, it was incredible. Um, so that was my honorable mention. But Tatsuya then, when I got into it, was like, nope, that's a clear winner. Do either of you, who did you pick for this? Guy, let's go to you. Who did you pick for the Who the Fuck is that? I have two answers. The official one mm-hmm. is Gilson Filho, is his first opponent. First opponent? Only because years later, he was on Big Brother Brazil. And 
You were Dilson just Figo like, was? Yeah. What? Yeah. Why many, was he on Big Brother years, Brazil? The, the third season. No, no, it's not, it's not a celebrity. Uh, okay. Yeah, just like regular, regular Big Brother. Yeah. And he was like, oh, this person is there. He does that for a living. He's a doctor. Stuff like that. And here's Dilson Figo who fought by the two of them and fought many of the I'm so glad. I'm so glad he's here because there's no chance. There's there's no way I could have never pulled that. You were. There's no way we would know. There's no way you're. I would. He quit. (laughs) Three weeks into the reality show, he just quit and left the house. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Oh, that's the best answer. He lasts longer on the reality show compared to his fight against Benedict Silva. So (laughs) yes, that's a win for him. Imagine <laughs> finding Vanessa for three weeks. That wouldn't be good for her health. <laughs> and that's, the honorable mention is a fight that hasn't happened yet. Uh, apparently, it's going to happen. It, it was scheduled for November, but looks like it's getting postponed for next year. Uh, apparently, Vanessa Silva is going to box a bodybuilder called Felipe Franco, who's also a politician in Brazil. They're going to box next month or this month in november <sighs> but it's moving to next year because franco's schedule is busy right now with all the things that he was elected to do like being a politician so yeah they're not gonna fight yet maybe he's year. busy because he has then a job gonna, <laughs> maybe then then this match is gonna be uh, eligible to be on this award so Maybe that means- right, he's he he's boxing a politician that is like of his affiliate, like his that he not an oppo- not an opposing side no, politician. No, no, his no. okay, he's just, like a friendly, he's, he, friendly he's, boxing. He was very popular as a bodybuilder, and so people voted for him because why not? Just Brazil people vote for sure. stupid reasons. Why? This is America too. If, so. if he can build, uh, yeah. if he can build his body, he can build a country. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever said anything uh, remotely close to this. It would be brilliant if he said that. I would vote for him as well. Uh, but his body is fake, and maybe his political <laughs> campaign would be fake too. So oh, <laughs> so, uh, those are my answers. <laughs> Key, key coming with the heat. AK, you're not beating that. Um, no, so what do no. you got? These are just honorable mentions, really, compared to the names you guys brought up. Uh, Car- Carl Malenko. You know, I have to look oh, that up. Oh, heck I'm yeah. Because like, I'm like, I'm sure uh, there's some pro wrestlers in here besides Sakuraba. And I'm like, Carl Malenko, sure enough, a stepson of the great uh, Boris Malenko, WWE Hall of Famer Boris Malenko. Uh, I did not I go. I was that I, is. Uh, he, tra- you know, Dean Malenko. You know Dean Malenko, right? The name that name sure. sounds familiar. Yeah, he's the most famous, probably the most famous of the Malenko family. But his father was uh, known as a great trainer. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, I did not. Honestly, uh, I, I didn't even go and watch this fight. This I was just like, this is kind of weird and funny. This is his also his first fight in Pride. This is, this is, this uh, is Pride right? debut. It's pretty underwhelming. And, yeah, but that's what they do. A lot of a lot of pro. Listen, they got pro wrestlers and they put them with the MMA fighters, and it was hilarious. It was a great. It was a great time in our lives, and I'm sad that that time is over because I feel like there's still a lot of money to be made there. Um, that, that time in our life may not be over now that I uh, WWE and oh, UFC are part of TKO under the Endeavor umbrella. Bring I was it back. Legitimately, I went and got a haircut today with a barber I've never met, and we did the whole, you know, hey, what do you do? What do you do? And apparently he's a pro wrestling fan. And he was like, you know, I'd love to see almost exactly what you just posited. And I was like, actually, it's probably like not that far off. And so, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be at all shocked if, if we get those things in the future, AK. So that's a weird one. And then 
I also, okay, we, we didn't, I just didn't know where to fit this in. I feel like his fight with Mark, Mike Van Arsdale is, I think we'll know about it. I don't know if it's that popular. It's like, Mike Van Arsdale is a martial, is a solid wrestler and martial artist. He looks the part of a fighter. A ADCC champion, wasn't he? Yeah, if you just see Mike Van Arsdale, you're like, this guy had, was an NCAA champion. Might have been had NCAA the skills to be a, a contender in MMA. But I think he was kind of lacking that vicious side. And when you watch his fight with Vanderlei, which again is a, in, sort of a valet Tudo, um, they're both, it's in a ring. It looks like something out of friggin' Bloodsport. And I think Mike was not prepared for. The, he doesn't do like terribly, but it ends terribly. Like by the time he's hurt at the end, uh, Vanderlei just ends it by just like kicking him in the back of his head. It looks, it's a horrific like scene, really. Um, but I, I just, I want people, it's on YouTube. You guys can find it. I want people to to watch this fight because it is the difference. We always talk about Jeb between like a guy who is a talented martial artist, great athlete, um, great shape. But boy, when you get in there, sometimes people are just nastier than you. And that's kind of what... Uh, what Mike experienced. Mike's only, uh, his only knockout loss was actually that loss to Vanderlei. So, um, what people go out, and check out that fight. It's, I'm sure maybe people already know about it, but, uh, yeah, very random. He went on to fight the UFC, fights some big names, but, um, boy, the first time he ran to a big name like Vanderlei, uh, did not end well. Did yeah. not end well. <laughs> that, that fight, really, if you look at any, if you go back and watch any of the IVC stuff, it, it really jumped out to me, like how pre-baked, Vanderlei was like he, his style was from day one just yeah. this is who he was he maybe just got like a little more physical um a little stronger you know because because he had some growing up to do certainly didn't get stronger for any other reasons besides just of course not just growing into his body it's um, not like but his he's body doing either. this his body's in favor yeah, exactly um he he was just the same dude from jump street he was just gonna throw hammers and kick you and knee you and punch you um until you were unconscious <laughs> and so yeah uh it's a good good shout out for mike van arsdale who has a an interesting little corner of the mma universe our next category the randall blex award this is for the best single career highlight of andale silva's career This is one where I think the obvious answer is Quentin Jackson too. Yeah. Puts him through the ropes. It's the number one highlight. I left it out of here because I originally had it in here and I was going to leave it off the Mount Rushmore. Decided I couldn't do that. Left it here because I decided that I'm not going to double up the category. And I want to talk about some more things. Uh, we don't really have to even talk about it because we already talked about it. This is where I went for num my number one choice. This is where I put Sakuraba 3, okay, <laughs> right here, because in a world where the Quentin Jackson yeah, through the ropes so KO mean. doesn't happen, so mean. this is his <laughs> best highlight in a world where the Quentin Jackson KO doesn't. It is such a visceral image, just the way that Sakuraba like falls back and just Pratt falls almost. The head bounces. He's all the way out. This is, I think, his best highlight other than the Quentin Rampage Jackson, but I want to throw a special shout out from a boy, uh, Yuki Kondo, because some days I'm feeling more violent than others. Some days I'm like, bring knees. I mean, every day I'm like, bring knees to the head of a grounded opponent. Like that's let's let's grow up, Peter Pan. It's time to time to treat this like fighting. And some days I'm like, you know what we also need? We need to bring back soccer kicks. Soccer kicks are great. And I thought a lot watching Vanderlei fight, like 
How is he not just breaking his shin and or foot on the head? Because he is kicking dudes in the crown of the head, like the most dense bone ever. But you know what solves that problem? Just stomping a motherfucker out. And that's what happens to Yuki Kondo in one of the most vicious KOs you'll ever see in your whole goddamn life is he gets stomped. And he is so unconscious that it it genuinely makes you fear for his life. And I'm not sure we need stomps. I'm going to be honest. I think maybe bring back soccer kicks, maybe leave stomps out because I watch some things like this. And I'm like, this is incredible. It's probably, probably good that this is no longer part of the sport, though. So shout out to Yuki Kondo, my runner up behind Sakuraba 3. AK, what, how did you solve this problem for Randallplex? Uh, it wasn't hard because this is because I left Jardine out of the uh, my Mount Rushmore. This is where the Jardine, mm, okay. yeah, this is where the Jardine finished. It's it's aside from of course Rampage, which wasn't the Rushmore. This is what I think about when I think of that and the fight with Chuck. Um, it's not it's so it's so nasty. This was probably also the end of any of people viewing uh, Jardine as a contender. He did get some big fights after, but it was otherwise downhill from here, and understandably because I think like. You can't get knocked out like that and come back the same. Um, I call I, I, I know it's I called it the murder choke KO, uh, yes. which is not a that's not a common finish. Uh, you don't see it very frequently. And thankfully, thankfully, also that that choke the choke KO had a very different name um, that we won't repeat for <laughs> uh, decorum's sake. But in the two thousands. In the in the two thousand forums, oh, um, that, I can imagine. Yes, that was called imagine. a very different uh, I, word before choke. I feel like there was a word. Yes, I can think there's a word missing in there and does not need to be repeated. Correct. Um, he is. I I had to watch it a couple of times. It's a short fight, not hard to rewatch. He's just he's literally. <laughs> I mean, thirty seconds. And, uh, Herb Dean is the referee, and I don't blame. But this was uh, when Herb Dean was actually pretty good, and I don't blame him for not stopping. I think this was Herb Dean. Oh no, Herb Dean was the uh, Chuck the Chuck um, the Chuck fight. This might have been Mark Goddard. A young Mark Goddard or, or Keith or uh, I don't know. I, I remember I wanted to make a note on Herb Dean doing a great job with the Chuck. Um, the Steve Mazzagatti, shocking. Steve, me. you know what? Maybe that. Maybe I shouldn't be complimenting the referee again. No, I, I do think he did an okay job here. Jardine was very hurt on the feet. Uh, we've seen fights stop. We've seen fights stop for less, but it would have been premature if 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 Steve Mazzagatti had saved Jardine's life here. You would have had a lot of complaints. It was an early stoppage for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, but I almost wish that it happened. Because, because he's literally holding him. To, Jardine's trying to get away. He's in survival mode at that point. He's just trying to roll out. He's not really throw, He's not doing any offense from the bottom. He's not trying to throw his guard up. He's just trying to roll out. And Vanderlei just grabs him and is like, "No, stop moving. I want to punch you." And just holds him in place. And I was like, "I think it's maybe great way to hold someone's head in place by just man, choking them with the other hand. It's maybe the head can't move if the neck can't move. It's maybe four clean bombs to the face. It's, um, it's nasty. Uh, this is the, this is how people fight in movies, right? Like one one guy gets yes. the advantage, and they and they're or, like this one like prisons. <laughs> yeah, the character freaks. You know, the main character freaks out and does the like the, he's holding the guy like ah and like punching the other guy, and you're like that doesn't happen in a real fight. Like that's not how real fights go. Someone doesn't just start freaking out and hold. This happened in a real professional fight between two trained martial artists. High, and it highly is, trained, it is a, high level, highly top fifteen ish guys. It, it's as scary as it sounds. If by some chance no one has, you guys haven't seen this, please check it out. It it is legitimately scary, um, and just again one of many many uh, knockouts on this guy's list that has you just like holding your breath, like oh my god, this, 
that should that shouldn't be happening. That's maybe it. you've made a compelling argument that maybe I should have oh. moved this to Randallplex and free up a Mount Rushmore spot. <laughs> Gee, what do you have here? Are you just going Quentin yeah. to knees? Yeah, I I get it. That's makes that's sense. the move. You know, and and it was such an important fight for Vanderlei Silva's name here in Brazil because uh, there's a TV show in Brazil, Fantástico, who exists for like decades, and it's the main. TV show on Global, which is the biggest network in Brazil. So I, I, I don't know how which show would be in the US. Like the, the main channel has its main show, so it's the number one show in the country. And they, uh, it was like Brazil. Uh, vale Tudo MMA was being treated like always in Brazil, like says uh, human cockroach fighting, uh, cockfighting, cockroach fighting. <laughs> incredible. Fighting and this, in this like these should be bands and stuff like that, and then Fantastico decides to send their one of their, their biggest reporters, the most important ones, to Japan to to follow Vendley Silva and Big Nog on that event, and and just to show like what MMA is like, and is showing how big of a star uh, they both are in 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 Japan and so it's just an incredible uh, it, it ends up in this, just this uh, I don't know it's just show, paints this picture of the sport in uh, a bigger audience and because mm-hmm. and Benedict Silva and Big Nog becomes uh, superstars because of uh, this TV show so that's why this is the one. Totally reasonable. Next category. The oh, right leg hospital, left leg cemetery award. This is for the best quote by or about the fighter. I uh, I have a couple of things written down here, but I want to open, open this one up a little more. AK, we were talking pre-show. It sounds like you have one that I left off my list, which I'm happy you brought, if that's the case. So fire out your right leg hospital, left leg cemetery award. I'm terrible at this category. I don't know why. I just don't remember a lot of things people say, um, which is weird because so much of our job is like transcribing quotes and things like that and listening listening to quotes and talking about them. And I just, I don't know. They're in, in one ear, they're in for a bit, and then out the other. Um, I'm a child, so I love the... I. <laughs> I love the, you know, miss, miss speaking says he's talking about, he wants to, he calls out Chuck Liddell. I want to F him, you know, not fight. He says the other F word by accident. Very quickly corrects himself, by the way. This has been, I think, misremembered. I want to fuck Chuck is, okay. is AK I is too, want... too generous that, of a soul to yeah. say Which, it. But by the way, he does not actually say. the first say. thing I had on my list. Yeah, of course. He did. For the record, he does not actually say I. We. This is the uh, Luke. I am your father. I think he of says MMA I want quote. to fuck up, Chuck. I, no, he's I want to fuck, and then he catches himself, and then he says, uh, he says like I want to. He even chuckled. I think he knows he misspoke. I want to fuck. Pauses. Corrects. I want to fight Chuck. It has been again. This is the Luke. I am your father, which is not actually said in uh, Star Wars uh, in Empire Strikes Back. Um, he he does correct himself. He never. We never quite get. I want to fuck Chuck. Unfortunately, it's not. It's not there. It's not a real thing, but boy, it is a Don't. great sort of memory, uh, a composite quote. And uh, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind, so I had to go with it. Uh, one, don't tell um, any 
any forum poster from the year 2000 to 2010 that that th this wasn't said because yes this i mean this is one of the all-time forum quotes that got fired out um and i choose to believe what's what's the name of that stupid thing when you uh remember things that didn't happen mandela effect mandela effect yes, there yes. you go nailed it thanks key uh yeah I choose to believe this isn't the Mandela effect and that you're just wrong, uh, AK, and that he did say this because it's much, much funnier if he did. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course. Of this course. was absolutely the first thing yeah. I had on my list. Uh, Guy, it's like you did as well. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. else did you have, though, Guy? I, I, I have that one, of course. That's the right answer. And the whole the correct answer. Uh, the whole back and forth with Chio Sonia on top, the one and out, one and out, that's just. Incredible, like Van Ben <laughs> Bendele and his broken English trying to talk to Jason. And like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's just priceless. And uh, there's another one about Jason and the whole TRT thing. <laughs> like I said, Bendele was always just like funny catching interviews. And uh, when TRT was the topic with Jason and, and Vitor Belfort, his a uh, long-time rival, and we would ask him about TRT, and he was always says that he 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 doesn't need TRT because he he has enough like juice in him to have sex. If he does TRT, his wife would kill him. Uh, that's why he doesn't need TRT. And he was asked about <laughs> just Sonning uh, doing TRT. Uh, he said, and I quote: "If Sonning needs it, he has to use it." Maybe he's a bit down, and he just like he did it with his finger. <laughs> Maybe he's a bit down, so he needs it. People say he only has one ball; he's missing one. <laughs> That's Vanessa and quote. That's Vanessa on chill, Sunny. Oh my god! Doing guys, we we were doing so well. We're doing great I thought this was, now. This was this was such a mature it's show, so, and, and, and it's always the quotes. Like last time, you know, and the Anderson Silva show, it was like Rafael <laughs> Feijão, and then the whole thing. Yeah. Always the quotes. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. That's why I'm so glad I added the quote category because yeah. it's the best. Because this isn't a serious sport, and these aren't serious people ever. Yeah. Ak, this is who we are. And Vanderlei Silva at any point talking about drugs is the best. Um, one one of my other honorable mentions is a quote. I'm against all because it's other than Kimbo Slice, who has the most salient thing that's maybe ever been said about drugs is MMA. Um, uh, we shouldn't take drugs, paraphrasing, you shouldn't take drugs, but you know, some of us older guys, we need some extra vitamins, which is one of the funniest things I could say. <laughs> Shout out Kimbo. You're going to get a damn one day. Uh, I think Vanderlei has maybe the best, my, my personal favorite view on drug use in MMA. I'm against all types of drugs and steroids, but the athlete has the right to have a private life. He has to be clean on the day of competition. Out of competition, that's his life. So just as long as I don't piss hot at the stadium, screw you, which is just the best. That's how we should live our lives. Uh, I have one more, and this is this is just my favorite quote that's maybe ever been said. Um, it's not particularly funny, but it's just I don't know if you can distill this man into a simpler thing. Uh, when asked about his style of fighting, my style is kneeing people in the face, which is just such a succinct, yep, you got it. You, you needed 
eight total words to sum you up as a person. I'm good with that. So that's where I'm at. AK, did you have any other honorable mentions? That's it. I again, I I, I had to, I just had to set the be that be the the nerd and set the record straight on arguably his most famous uh, quote. I just remember I though, but, uh, the 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 whole thing, the chill sauna and the doing tough, they were just fighting there backstage, and that came like months after there was a campaign from the government against uh, trying trying to show people that. You can't just fight in the streets. You can't fight in soccer games or uh, traffic, <laughs> stuff like that. Just And the campaign was like, count to 10, just to relax, you know? And Vandalist was one of the, the famous people that was invited to be part of the campaign. And he, that's, that's a video of him just saying, like, count to 10, just relax. And then months later, he's fighting Joe Sonnen in the gym backstage. Get, getting double-legged next to a training cage. That's incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. See, we we need more of this. We need more people on with the uh, with this sort of specific knowledge yeah. about fighters. The, inside, the, the real he insight. Always brings yeah. the heat. Oh. So he's so change the name of this next category because uh, I've been trying to find one. I may change it after this one, but uh, I like where I've settled now. This is the David Bowie changes award for uh, if you could change one thing about the fighter's career, what would it be? You should um, you should have named it the Vanderlei Silva Ch 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 Changes Award after all the bullcrap you guys have been talking about his plastic surgery. That's where you should have gone with it. Honestly, <laughs> uh, maybe we will for the next damn. It's not a bad idea. Uh, I just didn't you have a name. I like it. And, and every episode, you know, every episode just oh, changes. I like that. That's very meta. <laughs> uh, my answer here, uh, and Keith, this is going to speak to something you talked about earlier. This is where I tucked Brian Stan because. If I could change anything about his career, and I think that there's probably a lot of, of hay to be made here. You kind of, a lot of choices that can be made, but I like to use this category for like small things in general, like, oh, have a better walkout or better nickname. Nope. Has one of the best walkouts in MMA history. Arguably the greatest nickname in MMA history as far as I I'm would concerned. change his nickname. That's my Ooh. answer. Sorry. Ooh. We'll talk no, about that in a second. Stop thing. it. We're going to lead you into that. As I just say, if I could change anything, it would just be uh, retires after Brian Stan. I don't think there was a better moment to have exited the sport for him. Um, the whole Bellator run was weird. I don't think we needed it. Um, and just the fact that that win, like you had said, like you said, Gee, the fact that it's in Saitama, like it's the UFC going, going to Saitama and, and that being the thing. And all of that is perfect. I think if, to your point, AK, if that was the end of his career, this is a no doubt about it lock in. Everybody would have that fight. If I could change anything about his career, it simply would have been that because that's it's the only thing that I care about. Really, The rest of it all, I'm pretty happy with, with how his career unfolded, frankly. But, Guy, let's dive into why you think the Axe Murderer, which I believe to be one of the best nicknames in all of combat sports, needed to be changed. Uh, first of all, I agree with everything you said about the Brian Stan. That's my answer for another award down the okay. line. Uh, but I would change his nickname because that means nothing for us in Brazil, like the ex-murderer. Does, it doesn't mean anything? Nah, I mean... You don't have axes and people yeah, don't get no, murdered with him do, in but, Brazil? But but no one uh, refers to him like the ex-murderer. He, oh, he has a different nickname in Brazil. Oh, what? what's his Brazilian nickname? It's Cachorro Louco. It's just like crazy dog, mad dog. 
That's his okay. nickname. Has always been his name. His nickname. No one calls him the uh, the ex murder here in Brazil. Like no one. Oh, so it doesn't make, doesn't make any sense for it. Doesn't now it, we're it, learning. It, it, it doesn't say anything for us. So cachorro loco. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Wow, that sounds so good. So, yeah. So I want to say this, Guy, um, because I'm I'm actually open to this now that you've made a compelling argument. One. Uh, that sounds so much better in Portuguese than like Mad Dog does yeah. in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad yeah. Dog is just an awful nickname. Oh, so oh, if yeah. that was his choice, no. In the same way that I think like Hands of Stone doesn't sound that good, but like, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. It sounds just so much better. Um, There's one of those, if we're going direct translations, I'm not in. But I think that they're speaking to the same thing because that's what axe murderer is. It's just a way cooler way of saying it yeah. instead I, of I, mad I dog. I understand him getting an, uh, an English. I think you should just go by Cachorro Loco, right. though. Like yeah. we've, I did like, not. I've never heard of ta- like we did Tanquinho. Yeah, we've done like other like just going with it instead of translating. Like it. Baron. Baron is a word in Portuguese. Baron. Yeah. I'm have actually you, super you, okay calling Gusho Loco. That's that's a sick name. How did we not know this? How did we not know this until never now? Heard that until never this heard, I've moment. never heard this before. When I was started about Manelena and I had and, and I had to refer to his nickname, I used the Xmurder, but realistically, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Wikipedia the, doesn't even you need to make an edit on Wikipedia. So, yeah, Wikipedia only says the axe murder. We don't have and that. The, and the next time you have to write about Vanderlei, or if one of us is to write about Vanderlei, can I can we come to you? Can you sneak in a uh, say it again. The cash, yeah. cachorro loco. Sneak that in because that is so good. I did not know that. It sounds way, way better. So the one issue, if there's an issue with axe murder, and I truly don't, I think it's one of my favorite nicknames in MMA. Uh, is that it is kind of a mouthful. It's multiple words, you know. It's, sure, sure. Um, but it always felt very applicable. But cachorro loco just kind of rolls off the tongue. I like it. See yeah. you again, more of this specialty. Amazing, shit. dude! I've never. I'm. I. My mind is like blown. I've never heard that before. <laughs> well, AK, let's follow it up with your ch- 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 changes award. I, so I mean, I mostly just wanted me to say David Bowie, which is why yeah, I retitled. Never this, a by bad the way. time. Yeah, never a bad time. Uh, I, I mean, he shocked me with the name change thing. That's obviously like I was going to fight him, but like so that's really? on point. Yeah. yeah, that's on point. And then. I didn't want to say hang on past his, um, like retire after the stand fight because I think for a, a few fighters, I would the answer would be like, you know, don't hang around past your prime. So I'm, I don't want to just always go there. So I have nothing. I said nothing. I said, I think the package is perfect. Uh, whether Nick, again, whether the nickname's X Murderer for us, even, uh, you know, English, even English Jackson four. <laughs> again, even Quinn Jackson four. Again, for a lot of these. For a lot of these fighters, I feel like retiring at the right time is like the change. You know, we should make a category, and as because you don't have enough, Jed, of when should this fighter have retired? <laughs> when should this fighter have retired? Right? Like that's like the, I guess we have elements of that with the uh, the you know peak and all that. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, I say nothing. I think this guy has as close to a like in his prime, his image, his fighting style, uh, his quotes that some quotes went over. I, I don't think I would change any of it. I, I don't want to say, oh, he should have worked on, I don't know, do more offensive wrestling or no, I don't want any of that. I don't care about any of that. Even defensive wrestling. A lot of fights was him getting taken down him working off his back for like three minutes, three or four minutes. Cause the longer pride rounds eventually getting up and then smashing the other person. It's amazing. I don't want to change that. I don't care. Like, I love, I, I, I love everything about the, the, uh, Vanderlei Silva package. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change a thing. The, the, the prime, prime Bandy wouldn't change a thing. I would. I, I would agree. just ask you not to 
to prank the media saying he would he was going to fight Giga Musasi in Sweden, replacing Gustafsson. Oh, dude, I forgot that yeah. That wasn't fun. We stayed that until wasn't like fun. three in the morning confirming that we I I, I used to work for Tatami at that time and, and and we have we 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 had a report in Las Vegas and he was just like yeah I'm fine him I'm going to Sweden tomorrow and what that time and that flight just he gave and he told her I gotta be there at the airport if we wanna do an interview just meet me there and oh. then just uh, next day April Fools that's, that's, a, that's a dumb April Fools man. <laughs> Next category, the Fedor sweater of absolute victory. This is for if you could have one piece of memorabilia from the fighter's career, what what would it be? This is my favorite category. Um, it's usually my favorite category. It's my favorite this time uh, because I have I have, an, I have one answer that is probably generic uh, that would actually legitimately be cool, and it's the Pride Middleweight Grand Prix trophy. I just love the Pride trophies, other Pride fighters we've done. That's just... They're great. I think we should bring back trophies in MMA. Just let fighters fight for trophies because it's cooler. Um, and, you know, belts can just be for belts. But that's one. The other one, the one that I'm the most happy about, and I'm really happy because we get to talk about a fight we haven't talked about yet. Guys, do you remember uh, when Kazuhiro Nakamura wore a gi to his fight and then took the gi off in the middle of the fight? And while he was taking it off, the commentator is like, he shouldn't be doing that while he is fist fighting Vandalay Silva. And immediately as it is happening, Vandalay pounces on him and beats his brain in for the stoppage. It's one of the funnier things that had ever that happened in the t- 2000s. I loved it so very much. Uh, I, I bring it up a lot when I th- talk about like, People making bad choices during fights. Like you usually think of those as I shot a takedown when he shouldn't have. Well, no. Kaz brought a gi to the cage and then stripped down mid-fight and got clubbed. So give me Kazuhiro Nakamura's gi from that faded fight because I would put it right here behind me. I would love it very, very dearly. That's my answer. AK, what about you? I can't believe we haven't even mentioned this yet. I think on the show, um, do you, does this sound does this sound familiar? Da 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 Anyway, before we get, we haven't mentioned it. Before we get sued, we might actually just make Sandstorm the intro to this episode. Just doing that might get a suit. I may have just gotten a suit right there. So I have to be, we have to be careful with the internet. This we're may two, also we're almost two hours in. No one's gonna be here. This, it's fine. <laughs> this this also made, by the way, made our uh, top twenty five moments. Like just at any time, he came out as a sandstorm. Um, I I somehow doubt he owns a physical copy of 
a single, like a Darude Sandstorm single, because this was uh, early 2000s. Oh, I just assumed that it plays on loop in his house. Maybe, but probably it probably just has an MP3, right? At that point, you probably just have an MP3. You downloaded it, right? Probably. If he does have a physical copy of Sandstorm that has that, as you said, has was you know playing nonstop in his house, it's got a lot of spins on it. I want a worn like you know uh, jewel case. Um, I would love to have that. I would love to have his copy. Maybe signed, but if anyone could get a signed copy of Sandstorm, it's it's uh, it's Vandal's. Maybe he has vinyl. Can you imagine Vandal Silva having a vinyl record? I don't record? know if no Darude <laughs> has a vinyl. It's out there. It's out there. Sandstorm. That's what I want. And It'd I be bet Vandal has it. Incredible. Uh, I don't remember if we mentioned if I mentioned this before, if this was us talking off air. Uh, my one big gripe with Fight Pass. Uh, in in the context of Vandalay mm-hmm. Silva's career, um, I I don't know this for certain, but I'm pretty confident they simply do not have the broadcast rights to play Sandstorm because no. you cannot see his intros in any Fight Pass video. You're watching him fight Sakuraba; he gets the full grand entrance coming down the elevator in the arena, music blasting. It's sick, and then Vandalay Silva, arguably the man with the greatest entrance in the history of this sport. You just clip around it. He's in the ring fighting. Like, and it's if you want to watch, you got to go watch him enter in YouTube videos. And if you haven't, do that now. Pause this and go watch a Vandy <laughs> entrance because with Sandstorm, it is electric. It's iconic. It's a great choice. I have absolutely no notes for you here. AK. This is this is the best walkout song in anime history. I st- it just it can't be be and there's a lot of a lot of great ones uh, uh, ain't no sunshine and Silva obviously incredible uh, a lot of good ones we can run down a whole list but for me this has been number one since I first became aware of it that he came walked out to the music and it has never moved it has never changed uh, it's just perfect it's a per the way it builds up and everything it's just per- the way it, 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 the vibe that early t- that early mid two thousands vibe it's he he tried to pass it. He allowed. I remember one of his. I don't know if you'll remember one of his trainees or one of his shooto box trainees. He allowed one of them to use it. I remember in the UFC. I, I can't remember who it was. Yeah. A guy who did not there have someone using that. Yeah, and and it just didn't feel right. Like it was fine. Like it, it, I wasn't mad about it because I knew he had he had Vandy's blessing. But it was like mm, this isn't going to stick. Like it's just not. You really can't pass it on like that. So great song. And and if there's a CD single of it and Vanderlei touched it, that's my that's my choice. Uh, I accept you. Um, also, in context of this, like Sandstorm gets kind of used in other things. And oh, everywhere. It, it, it just doesn't matter anymore <laughs> to me. Like if I hear it, it is not, oh, because I'm at a, I don't know if either of you know this, the University of South Carolina plays it like every every home game for their football team. It's like a big thing. None of this matters. If I hear it, it is Vandalay Silva is about to fist fight a dude, and the rest of you are jokers. So, uh, yeah, sticks with me a, a thousand percent. Gee, what do you got? Uh, I have two answers: the real one and the uh, real one. the The first one, and you probably know which one I really, really want. The first one is the his Santa Claus costume. I don't know if you have seen that already. This just type, Google it. Vendor Silva Santa Claus. And there's a photo Jed and I are both furiously, furiously googling it right this now. This doesn't by the way. jump out at my yeah. head. There's a photo of him. I, I think it's a uh, uh, fire. Truck. <laughs> oh, a fire I do Wandy Claus. Yeah. Oh, I do and remember this. I, I I probably spent like ten years posting that picture every Christmas. That 
that is incredible. And, uh, uh, dude, that is a, that's a memory unlocked. If you are a bad boy, Vader is coming and going to stomp you. (laughs) Be good or I'll stomp you. Yeah. That's incredible. But, and, uh, the second answer, and the second answer is, um, I, I mean, I love cars and he had this Aston Martin. It was so incredible when, when he lives in Las Vegas, this this uh, the U.S. flag on one side and the Brazilian flag on the other side. I would just rip that off. Fuck it, just <laughs> an, an awesome car, just such a nice car. I would love to have that one. I do. There's a lot, there's a lot of pictures of that. I just googled that as well. There's a lot. Of, there's, there's only like the one Santa picture. There's a lot of Fendi and the uh, Aston Martin. Yeah, he loved the car. He would post about it all the time. He loved it. Uh also, since this is up here and I have a note and I don't know where else it would come up, uh, but as I'm looking at these photos of this car, it it reminded me, anybody in MMA history with a better logo? Like, I don't, like the, the Vanderlei logo, like, that is A+. Ben Anderson has a nice one. Okay, all right, actually, that's the correct answer. Hindo's <laughs> logo. Um, if you're anyone who's not Michael Bisping, is the best logo yeah. in my history. If you're Michael Bisping, it's not, and you get, like, really, really upset about it, which I guess maybe I understand, but that was a great great counter key. But still, the Vandalay logo, like, just, dude, it's sick. It's one of the few times where somebody, like, could get a tattoo of a logo that's of himself, and I'd be like, you know what? That place, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's not absolutely ridiculous that you did it because that logo is good enough to then tattoo on your own shoulder. Next category, the Habib Tony Award for the fight that never happened that you wanted to see. I did not think this category was going to be as full as it was for me. Coming in, I thought he's got 50 fights. He mostly fought all the dudes you ever wanted to see him fight. I had like a couple of guys that jumped out immediately, but then as I kind of went through this, there just kept being names that I kept adding to this list of fights that maybe at one point were rumored, could have happened, it didn't. And then just a couple of them where I was like, I don't know, I would be, those, they would just bang. Like that would just be a sick fight that could have been cool to have happened. The number one for me, and we don't need to dive into it. I'm, I went Chuck Liddell um, prime because we talked all about it. That fight in their prime, that was the original Habib Tony, was the original Fatal Randy, et cetera. Like, that was just the fight. And we did ultimately get it past its sell by date. Um, but if we had gotten it in their prime and then the, what we ended up getting was their rematch, that would have been sick. Um, I also made a note here that I would have probably been pretty happy if the UFC had just kept having them fight each other instead of, are right, you fought, now go fight other people. Just run it back. Like, this is the fight we all wanted. It delivered. They're both in this good spot. It would have been okay. So a rematch, even after the fact, would have been okay. So that was kind of the number one that jumped out. And then, AK, to your kind of previous stuff, this is the place that I, I originally slotted for Crazy Horse. Um, because I don't actually ever needed to see this fight, but, like, <laughs> you know, why not? It ha- it, it would make, like this would have been a way more sensible fight than many fights that happened in Pride for Vandalay. So uh those are those are kind of my top two. And then I have sort of a list of other things at various points of, of interest. But I want to open it up for a little more discussion. AK, where are you at on the Habib Tony Award? 
I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole of just all these great fights that could have happened. Um, so I actually tried not to think about it. The one that always comes to my mind is it's really disappointing we never got the Vitor rematch, right? Because that Vitor knockout is replayed a million times. Um, they're very young in their careers. Who knows where it could have gone if they had met when they were a bit older. I, I, there was probably a never a perfect time, I think, um, even when they coached against each other in the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Randy coached on the show twice. Once was against Vitor. And they were supposed to fight then. The season, of course, didn't happen for various reasons. People kept getting injured, I think. Uh, so it just didn't happen. It eventually fizzled out. And maybe it would have turned out the same way. I think Vitor's, you know, maybe aged a little bit better than, than Vanderlei did. But it really felt like those two should have fought one more time. The first fight was so quick. All-time great highlight for Vitor. But, um, yeah, I was, I was very curious to see how a rematch would go. So we missed it at least a couple of times we missed it. And I still wanted to see it by the time both guys were, were done. Yeah, that was on my list. Um, and for all the reasons you said that it was on my li- uh, on your list, um, it does feel weird that the time they fought, they were both super young and not even sort of a, an inkling of who they would ultimately end up being. And then that we, we know what all happened with Tough Brazil, et cetera, et cetera, um, which did lead to the second Rich Franklin fight, which is super weird that they – Fought twice, if you asked me, even though I watched both of them not that long ago. They are, it's still weird that they fought twice, didn't jump out. Um, that that is another rival of Vandalay's functionally. So, yeah, uh, for sure on my on my extended list as well. Gee, what do you have here? Yeah, and on that fight, hey, fans don't ever for, uh, forgive Mario Mazak for not stopping. That when Rich Flank was face planted, uh, face planted on the, on the on the ground, and just allow him to recover and end the round. It was just sad to watch. <laughs> but I mean... uh, my answer is like yours: is uh, Vitor and Chuck the rematches when both in their primes. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the same that compared to the fights that we 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 saw. Great for Vitor, the first one. And the second one, the Chuck and the Vendelli was fun, but it's not what we we, we could have happened in when they were both in their primes. So and the failure I, I would like to fight. <laughs> I mean if 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 you're alive and wait, you will always watch uh, wanted to fight Fedor. Yeah, Fa- so Fedor is the one that I had on the list and I wanted to talk about because I think there were a couple of opportunities that it could have happened. It just to me, more so than any other fight uh, that I could list here, it's the fight that is the strangest that it didn't happen. Just because, I mean, that they are the two pillars of pride. You know, they are the the standard bearers for pride. Um, given how willing Vandalay was to compete at open weight, um, Vandalay famously replaces Fedor in the open weight um, GP, or, or maybe it was the heavyweight GP. I'm honestly not sure. Which was the open weight? I think. Is it, it's the open yeah, weight one. So. Yeah, like yeah. he. I know he ste- he steps into one of those when when Fedor gets hurt, um, which ultimately ends up to the Crow Cup stuff and all that. It just it feels like that would have been a a good ending for them. And I know instead Pride ends up going with Dan Henderson as sort of the penultimate Pride show, Henderson versus Vandalay. But given who those two were. Um, it was still shocked me later on that they didn't happen. And I ultimately was even suggesting at the end of the run, like, look, Fedor's exiting. Let's do Fedor Vandalay. I know we talked about on the Anderson Silver show doing Fedor Anderson for Fedor's retirement fight instead, how that would have 
been cool and made some sense and it would have. I had always kind of hoped that if this Bellator run was going to be something, when again, I wasn't like a huge supporter of it in the first place, I ultimately it would be better if it hadn't happened. Why didn't, why not do this fight and maybe we can get some Chuck Vandalay magic even after their, their best buy date. So I think I know how that fight goes, but it would have made a lot of sense for that fight to happen. The fight that didn't was weird. Uh, Two others that I wrote down on top of a list of like, you know, Gegard Musasi would have been sick. Uh, you know, shout out to you, Guy for Gegard. Um, one that never really had any juice behind it, but does feel a little weird. Randy Couture absolutely could have been, been a thing they did uh, as Vanderlei came to the UFC late. Randy, after leaving the heavyweight thing, is now doing, he fights Mark Coleman. If he can fight Mark Coleman, why can't he fight Vanderlei Silva instead of James Tony? You know, do that stuff. Uh, and then this one, while I was doing my research, somebody posted about it and on a forum thread years ago, uh, and I couldn't shake it just because I want to see it. Like, I wish I'd seen it now. And it's it's Igor Vavchanchin. Just two dudes who are the most violent, insane people just getting after it. Like, that. put that fight in an open weight somewhere in, like, 03. Would have been sick. Would have been amazing. So um, I'm going to think about that fight a lot of, over the coming years and what what sort of insanity that would have looked like. All right, we're coming up on the two-hour mark, so we got to get moving. Not that many categories left, but we're going to fly right into the TJ Grant Alternate Universe Award, named after TJ Grant, who was maybe the best lightweight in the world at one point in time, but got a concussion and never fought again despite having a title shot. The question here is sliding doors moment. What the biggest what if of Vandalay's career? Really easy answer for me. Very, very simple. What if Pride never died? What if oh. what if Pride just stayed alive? Not what if you won this fight or any of that, or what if you retired earlier? It's just what if the UFC never buys Pride? What if Pride doesn't have the various issues that uh Semaphore ends up having, Dream Stage or whoever it ends up owning it at the end of it, and it just keeps on going. And instead, maybe eventually we get some of these UFC fights that he had. Maybe we get Chuck Liddell, et cetera. But mostly, this is the point in time where I'd like to to address the the rumors, um, the innuendos, the suggestions that Vandalay Silva and other Pride stars may have been ingesting substances that some people would consider performance enhancing. To that, I say, I don't care because Pride ruled... And if if pride not dying meant that instead of having all of that weird stuff we talked about at the end of the UFC career where he doesn't drug test and all of that nonsense, what if instead we just get this dude doing this dude things against other guys? I would take that trade. Let him every other fight fight a total can and be juiced to the gills and deliver sweet, sweet highlights to the, to the MMA fandom. What if pride never died what would the end of his career look like? It's too big a scope to honestly dive into. But like, I just, I thought about that a lot going through this. Like, man, he was perfect for pride. He was an elite fighter. Great. You know, his UFC run was, I think, better than people remember. But he and pride were intrinsically linked in a way that I don't think he, Fedor even was. I think Fedor is probably the number one pride guy in a lot of ways. And I totally understand that. But I don't. I think Fedor would have been that anywhere he went. I think Vanderlei 
was really, really tied to pride in the way he fought, the way he was, all of it. And when he left that and he lost stomps and soccer kicks and he, you know, had more stringent drug testing and he didn't get, you know, to fight a pro wrestler every third fight, he suffered. And I would just, it would just be way cooler if he just got to keep doing the competing in the way that he is best because that's the most fun for me as a fan. So that's my big TJ Grant. Gee, what do you have here? That's a good answer. I, I wish I had thought about that. That's a good one. Congratulations. I mean, I think we should all think about yeah. hoping that pride comes back to yeah. life or never died because the sport, man, the sport would be terrific. But like I mentioned before, like Brian Stan, that's my answer. Like if he wins that fight like he did, incredible one in Japan, he just walks away. There's no uh, uh, drug test against Giosana, like running from, from, from the gym, like just retires a legend with no asterisks of any mm-hmm. kind and i mean of course i feel losses in the ufc but fuck it just legend but yeah, yeah. those losses were fine yeah those losses were totally fine yeah but the other one is uh what if uh he didn't lose to rampage i think it was rampage yeah uh, he has to fight shogun in the pride tournament in the, in the finals because he lost to shogun uh, to arona he lost Radona and oh, Arana went oh, to the, yeah, yeah, Shockwave 05. Yeah, and he had to fight Shogun in the finals. Yeah. That's the fight everybody Ooh. wants to see. But they're teammates. That's such a good yeah, one. But they never fought. That's such a good one. I think Ramp uh Shogun beat Rampage, they... right? In the semifinals. And No, uh, Shogun beat over him. Over him, yeah. And then he, he beat Rampage in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he goes Rampage into Little Nog into Overeem. Yeah, that's I mean, that year is Which just a, that's the most uh, one of the most <laughs> unbelievable runs the sports yeah. ever seen in 05. And then he had to fight Shogun. Like uh Shogun is the upper camera, the, mm-hmm. the prospect, and Federer Silva is the champion. So Do you think they would have fought? Do you think they would have actually fought each other, or would they have done the would Van, would Vanderlei have won? Like you know, in the way that they do the, he's the he's the primary guy at the camp, so you're gonna take a dive ish yeah. thing. I mean, I've mm. talked to a lot of people uh, who were members of Shootbox at the time. They never go on records to talk about it, but yeah, yeah. I, have, I mean, I, I have conferred with a lot of people that they had a plan. If they has a fight, then they're going to win. I mean, it totally, totally makes sense, but uh, it's not. It wouldn't have been fun, but it would have been wild because yeah. I can't imagine what the internet streets would have been like there for, for that to happen. Like yeah. just the hey, here's you know pull a straight up Mark Hall and the like. Ah, I lose, I lose to Don Fry. <laughs> Me and Don Fry aren't we're not managed by the same dude, and I'm not trying to give him an easy road to Tank Abbott. Uh, that would have been wild honestly that might have ruined pride earlier yeah. <laughs> than, you know, that's a terrific what if ak what do you got jed your what if pride survived i think may have opened too many no. slides. what if doors. pride That's, never died never died you gotta Excuse say it right of course you gotta say it right all caps uh that opens almost too many sliding There's doors, a lot of doors. We, gotta, we gotta go back to the fedor and anyway um so i'm gonna present you in a single sliding door and it's a grim one this is a grim slide oh, because this is 
I told you before the show that I did go back to watch his uh, lone UFC title fight. He fought uh, Tito Ortiz, UFC 25 in Tokyo. It's not a great for fight. Vacant light heavyweight title. It's not a great fight. Tito Ortiz just Tito Ortiz is him. A lot of good wrestling. He actually rocks him. Yeah, I will say he lands the best strike of the fight. He rocks Vanderlei real bad. Um, so it wasn't just like he totally grinded out just for like maybe twenty. Minutes Fun fact for those listening: When AK told me this before, I pulled it up. Uh, Tito in a twenty-five minute fight lands forty significant strikes to Vanderlei's like seventeen. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tito, this is this is prime Tito. He had Vanderlei's number, but what if he didn't, guys? What if Vanderlei just catches him with a flurry some at some point? First round, Amazing. third round, last round, knocks him out, knocks Tito and becomes a UFC champion. Does he never even go to Pride, Jed? Is is there no Pride oh, run for Vanderlei? I don't. I mean, it's this was a point where like guys were just saying "f it" and like trying to go over, but I don't know. It, it, let's say if the, you know the UFC, and he did. He was competing for both. I think at the time he like had kind of been with the UFC, most and with Pride. So it wasn't exclusive. UFC didn't quite have that like uh, that pull on people. But let's say they did, and they said, "We want you. You know, we'll, we'll shell out whatever we have." UFC wasn't the booming business it was uh, that it is now, and they actually managed to keep him around, or at least limits his pride. What if he has to split his time with UFC and Pride, and it limits some of his pride outings? It's it's it, the thought of it is sad to me. It is very sad because, like you've said, him and Pride are just just they belong together, um, and uh, the thought of him taking like a dozen more UFC fights uh, and and that coming out of his pride schedule, it's dark. It's a dark. It's a dark real. It's a dark timeline. And I'm glad that uh, Tito took care of business and we didn't have to deal with that. So we probably end up with Chuck Vanderlei like way sooner, probably True. even before either of them get to where they're supposed to be. Yeah. However. Yeah. Uh, after you mentioned this, you opened doors. You didn't even know you opened AK because you know who Tito Ortiz is? He won the vacant belt against Vanderlei, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. one that Frank Shamrock famously uh, vacated. Do you know whose first title defense came against? I want to say Mechyshenko. No, Mechyshenko is no. actually pretty pretty deep into his run. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. His first title defense came against the aforementioned Yuki Kondo. And so maybe oh. without the fear of stomps and getting stomped the F out, Yuki Kondo can beat Vanderlei Silva. And Yuki Kondo's <laughs> entire career oh, is changed God, no. by the by the virtues of cage fighting versus fighting under pride rules. So <laughs> you say I open doors, sir. Many doors are sliding open in, in your oh, alternate reality oh, as dear. well. I'm tugging on my rope, Jed. I'm tugging <laughs> on my rope. <laughs> Next category. Out. Dan Henderson H-Bomb Award. This is for if you could take one piece of the fighter's game, add it to your own, create a mythical fighter with one one tool from their tool belt. What is it? We've talked about it a lot. Uh I I'll accept other answers, I guess, but like I want I want the stare down. I want the vibes basically of Vanderlei Silva, the intro, the intimidation, the coolness factor, the head tattoo, uh, and then this the greatest stare down in MMA history. All of that, all of the vibes of and- uh, of Vanderlei Silva, uh, and I can I don't need the fighting. The fighting can come from other people and take parts of their games. Give me the vibes, sirs. That's the right answer. Correct. The other one is like the knees, but the knees you can get from Vanderlei Silva from someone else. Right. The knees is my is the if I have to have a backup, yes, because his knees are great. But you can get knees from yeah, anyone, yeah. like. I can't get that stare down from anybody else in the history of this sport. So that's that's the move. AK, do you concur? Kind of along those lines, Jed. It's it's the will to cause harm. 
Um, maybe I'm being a little more specific, but you and I say all the time about like, boy, we wish such and such top prospect today. I will name one soon. You know, I know we, you know who I'm thinking of. Um, like had that, like not just wanted to win a fight, but really finished. No, no, the mean, not even the Gee, dog, the mean. Gee, we were, Gee, we were getting along so well. We we're getting, but Gee, what is there? Is there? Is there an equivalent of that in Portuguese? Is there an equivalent phrase? Uh, yeah, is is someone that, that that has sangue nos olhos? What's that? Which means blood in the eyes. Whoa, Ooh. that's cooler. Again, that sounds way better. <laughs> I'm starting Damn, to think we, Portuguese we got, might just oh be a superior God. language. Again. And we got we got that dog in him. That's yeah. what we actually. I did like that the first time I heard it before I heard it ninety million times. Yeah. Um, but uh, that will to do damage, that will to be reckless. Uh, imagine Jen, if our 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 dear Mohammed Makayev, for example, had just a little a little of that Vanderlei cool spirit man. in him, just a little bit. That little like need like I'm in control. I'm cruising. Mm-hmm. But I'm McKenzie gonna take a risk Dern here too. and just uh, Mackenzie Dern, great fighter, great martial artist. Boy, I just want to see her go for that Doesn't kill. Want to hurt people, <laughs> literally yeah. any women's bantamweight. Jed, imagine that the women's bantamweight. the goat. I know, I know, because she actually tried to hurt she people. Just and finish to hurt fights. people. That's right. Imagine anyone in the women's bantamweight division had some of that axe murderer aggression. What a different, what a better world we would live in. So I would. I'm not saying I would be reckless. I don't think there is. Women's bantamweight division? There used to be. (laughs) I'm sorry I brought it up. Sorry I brought it up. I'm sorry I I brought it up. I think think they let that division go. I think they burned it down. A lot. Hey, we're getting, listen, that's that's the Toronto main event. So you guys back off. Two women who won't hurt each other. Enjoy. Uh, Next category, almost done. The Brad Imes Fun with Stats Award. It's an optional category. I don't insist you guys do this because it takes a little more time. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you straight. I I saw two of that I had, and I yeah. didn't. I, I think with the amount of fights he had, you could have a lot of fun here if you sure. so chose. Um, can I can I, I uh, toss one the one out there first? Yeah, absolutely. His one submission, one submission victory. Once he he used jujitsu a lot that I mentioned again earlier gets put in his back a lot uses jujitsu to threaten and also kind of just get back to his feet submitted one guy unsurprisingly uh, kickboxing uh, kickboxing uh, fighter Bob Schreiber Can, uh, most more well known for training a lot of fighters now but a good kickboxer in his day certainly famously trained Stefan Shuv. Can we of say course. my my favorite fact about Bob Schreiber? Which I, yeah, again another thing I had on the note here in case in case Bob showed up. Uh, <laughs> A terrific fight nickname in his own own right, Dirty Bob. Oh, <laughs> it's just it's Ooh. just the funniest, simplest, stupidest name, Dirty Bob Schreiber. <laughs> great nickname, great nickname. Not someone who I'd want to hang out with, but a good, no, a very no, good nickname. Not at all. Dirt, Some guy is gonna like, get you arrested. Oh, like if you're having a party, guys. Oh, Dirty Bob's coming. Ooh, <laughs> Dirty Bob. <laughs> I gotta go. You know what? I gotta go. Actually, um, I'll see you guys later. I don't want to be here when Dirty Bob arrives. Uh, but yeah, one. If you guys are wondering, the one dude he subbed. One submission victory, 27 KOs, one sub, and it is uh, a, a guy that he probably should have subbed. So there you go. Way to go, Wandy. More importantly, he never got subbed either, So which no. kind of is weird. It's not all the way weird, but sort of you would think, given uh, the primacy with which people placed on not striking with him, that maybe more of those. But no, could grapple, just didn't use the sub skills offensively. Uh, so two things. One, I just want to note, because um, this feels weird, but... 
it's true. He has the most knockouts in Zufa history at 19. Um, Derek Lewis's record is currently 14 in UFC history, but that also actually does extend to combined WEC, et cetera. But given that Zufa purchased pride, you can retroactively sort of oh, put all of that on. under a banner. Come on. They own it all. So it kind of is there. <laughs> now they own the knockouts retroactively. I mean, they kind of do. So if you want to just go like all of that, that his 19 KOs and elite mixed martial arts, basically, or whatever is the most. Um, so that's pretty impressive. But the one I went with instead, uh, because I wanted to sort of talk about this broadly, we've obviously spoken specifically about it. Um, you know, he had those three fights in the UFC in his early career run, but like you mentioned, AK, a bit sporadic, you know, they fought here and then did I, I've IVC or whatever pride when he came back and did like his real UFC run. Cause I don't think it's like totally wrong to just sort of put those other three in a separate box. The UFC wasn't what it is today. The weight class and all that was a little different. When you come in his, his back career run ends up with nine fights in the promotion, five fight of the nights, two KO of the nights, 77% bonus rate. That is like almost 78%. That's like higher than Conor McGregor's bonus rate who like, Justin Gaethje is like the one dude that I could confirm has more because he's at 100% in his 12 UFC fights. He has 12 bonuses. Um, but like other than that, particularly when you factor in that kind of in the first fights of his, there weren't bonuses to be made. It is, I think we think of his UFC run broadly. Certainly I did at least coming into this as more of a sad thing. Like, oh, he got knocked out a lot. He lost a lot. He wasn't didn't have his best by him. And then you go back into it and you're like, okay, the Chuck Liddell fight, fight of the year was actually a really, really good fight. Fight of the night, obviously. Key Jardine fight, good. The Quentin Jackson three, awful. I will argue with, with Guy that this was a good fight uh, or whatever thing you said that wasn't, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Because I hated it at the time because I knew what was going to happen and it did. Yeah. But the pair... The pair of fights with Rich Franklin were competitive and fun. Beats Michael Bisping in a decent fight. The Chris Lieben fight. I think that that, like you said, AK, that's sort of the fight you would kind of leave off the list if you could, but sort of made sense for who they were stylistically. Kung Lee, fun. Brian Stan, fun. Like, just he came into the UFC and delivered on who he was as a fighter, even if he didn't deliver, you know, by winning championships and doing that, the, the mm-hmm. legacy. But he was still super fun and just like awesome to watch. You go back and watch any of those fights and you can see that he is not the guy he used to be and that he never was the most technical dude, but he's the craziest man in the cage at any point in time. And ask Mike Breeden, sometimes you just got to be crazier than the dude you're fighting. And like you watch him fight rich Franklin for 25 plus 15, 40 minutes. And like rich Franklin is using a jab and trying to be smart or whatever, and occasionally Vandalay's just like, screw your whole family, and just chucks them at him, and Rich kind of gets hit and doesn't know what to do, and it's awesome. So I just wanted to shout out his UFC run, which I think is way better than we remember it, at least from an entertainment standpoint, if not from an X's and O's, wins and losses standpoint. I have, I have two, two stats. The first one Ooh. is the real one, uh, and the second one is you choose to believe if it's real or not. 
the real one <laughs> is, like uh, <laughs> he has the longest unbeaten streak in pride history sure yes 20 fights uh there's a draw and no contest in there mm-hmm. but it's, it's incredible if you look at Fedor, they're only 14 so it's it's amazing and uh then the unreal one you choose also it should be should be 23 because the loss to mark is bullshit yeah <laughs> and uh and the other one is when i think like i don't know if it's like 12 years ago or stuff like that we did a story for tatami magazine there's such a weird fact linking Vendor silva and big nog and they fought on the same night like a dozen times before that uh i don't i, I don't i don't remember how many times but i mean they would have fought in like all of the final conflicts yeah, probably when okay. when one fighter wins the other one wins and one loses the other one loses always oh this is sick. always it only changed uh i think it was ufc 110 when when beats bisping and big not loses to Cain Velasquez. So just got run over by Cain Velasquez. Yeah, that one changes the story. And we, we did a, a whole story about it. And we did talk to the, I don't, I don't know how to say it in English, like those people that like read the stars and stuff like that, to check their their birth dates mm-hmm. and all that, to see yeah. the connections with the stars. And yeah, how, astrologists, yeah. Exactly, like what's the connection between the two? It was a fun one to do. And uh, Dude, but, that's... That's insane. insane. Yeah. I'm about to go down. Uh, we, you got you to gotta independently check this out now. We have the list. I, I have to find here. We, oh, we, we did that going into uh, the, the the night when they lost to Rampage. And the same night, Big Nog lost to Frank Mir. Frank Mir. Yeah. 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 There's oh, one asterisk there because I think there's a, a, a tournament or something like that that one of the two fought twice. So one mm. fighter won and the other one won and lost on the same night. So but I don't care. There's a win on both sides. Yeah, nights, so fuck it. So that's, that's a sick stat. Yeah. See, this is what this category is for. <laughs> now or what if should be what yeah. if they the UFC only booked Vandalay to fight on the same card as Nog? That would yeah. have been sick. It could have been the world champion. He could have yeah. undefeated. Just, I mean, I mean just a book Vendor Silva against the best fighters in the UFC and Big Nog is just a jobber. You just can't. The worst. The worst. So now Vendor Silva is going to win, so I don't care. Dude, what if the night Big Nog beats Tim Sylvia to become a champion, Vanderlei is fighting for an interim light heavyweight title? What if? Oh, man. So many things. Sean Ferris Award for. Actor who should play them in a movie that's named after Sean Ferris, who plays Jake Tyler in the cinematic masterpiece that is Never Back Down. I have one answer. Uh, I don't feel great about it, but I don't feel bad about it. Um, I went cliche as you can be. I took the low-hanging fruit of a well-known, established Brazilian actor, a man who had, I think has the range to both be, as Guy has pointed out, this wonderful, engaging dude outside of the cage, but a mean SOB inside of the cage, uh, I'm basing this entirely off his work in Narcos, um, but give me Wagner Mora, a younger Wagner Mora, obviously we got to get there, but uh, just a terrific actor, close enough facially, certainly close enough to facially to old Vandalay, maybe not to Vandalay 2.0, but, uh, and I think he can do the menacing thing if he needs, like when called upon, but can also just be the outside the cage guy for him. So I went Wagner Mora, AK, a category you have, 
been pretty strong in historically. What do we have? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty something, that's for sure. Uh, sometimes strong, sometimes completely out to lunch. I generally veer away from like let me find someone who like resembles the character because it's hard to do. I mean, fighters fighters are very distinct looking, and sometimes you can find a good. I think I still think like Florence Pugh and like Ronda Rousey is one of the best ones, both acting level. And, I mean, like, that's a terrific same, one, right? I, it's like it, it has to. That's the role of a lifetime. Uh, this time, I think like and uh, the other the, the other note I'll make is I try to like you know if it's if it's a not an American fighter, pick someone who is from their country, the same country, or at least speaks the language. I did not do that this time. Um, I went with someone who like I went down the Fast and Furious well here. Uh, okay. Jed, as you know, I, I there's only two pop culture things I've engaged with in the last like 20 years: uh, uh, Fast and Furious and Game of Thrones. So like all my pictures come from these sh- these movies slash shows. One of those is a lot better for acting talent. To I don't know from. what you what you well Fast and Furious obviously. So uh, I went with I I loved Fast and Furious Nine is not a good movie, um, but I loved the flashbacks and I loved the guy who played Young Dom, a uh, a New Zealand actor named Vinnie Bennett. He's 30 or 31 years old, I think. So he's right in that age range where he could play a younger Vandalay and then you can age him up and do. So, you know, bulk him, bulk him up. Uh, there's there's vaguely facial structure similarities, but that's not my main concern. Uh, he's like, He has like an intensity about him. And I thought he did, did such a great job playing a young Dom slash Vin Diesel without doing like a parody. And I would love to see his take on uh, Vandalay, but probably better to go with a Brazilian actor. But um, I went out, I went outside the box here. Looking at Vinny Bennett right now. He's got the, there's a jaw. There's a jaw-ish or could, line. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, you know, know. I'm not going. I'm I not going need to for be one sold for on one. this. Gee, gee, do do better than AK. What do you got? <laughs> a good answer. I mean, it's, you, you don't need anyone special. You just need someone bald that can do a mean face. Like <laughs> so just like I, I went the same route with with, with, with fast, like to, to make AK proud. <laughs> And I just like, like Vin Diesel, Jason Statham, stuff like that. I, I don't. You just need to be strong, bald, and do me. I accept Jason Statham yeah. as an answer. Honestly, I'm. He, that would be really good. Look, it follows up <laughs> the long history of just putting British people into non-British <laughs> roles and pretending <laughs> like it's fine, yep. like we did on Chernobyl. It's yep. fine. Uh, I'm very much open to Jason Statham. Not for this. not to. Uh, go off too far of a tangent, but Guy, what was like? What was the reputation of the guy they got to play uh, Jose Aldo? Was he a big star before? Yeah, yeah, Did he yeah. become a big? star? He was. A he was he, yeah. he is a big. Oh, he is an. Okay. The thing is that movie. It was another actor first, and then it, it, it just took years to to do the movie, and they just oh, changed to another oh. one. Okay. Okay. So that's an established guy. Okay. Yeah. So they could maybe. Okay. Yeah, he's popular. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Okay. And that, that, also, the, the whole movie is like another. Uh, uh, a lot of famous actors doing MMA fighters like this, <laughs> uh, Marcos Galvão, Marcos Louro, uh, former Bellator champion, who's like a close friend to Jose Aldo. Uh, the guy that does in the movie, he's six foot six. And Galvão is like <laughs> a tiny little dude. He's a phantom weight, right? It's like 135, yeah. right? 135. <laughs> that's the best part. Amazing. That's the second best Amazing. part of the movie. The best part is Jose Aldo. <laughs> Jose Aldo doing a showtime kick. It's just. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> just, just make things a little more fun. Yeah. I love that. Along this note, um, I'm, I'm all in. I just pulled up more photos of Jason Statham. He's got a terrific mean face. I'm super yeah. comfortable with us yeah. just 
just whitewashing this man all the way through. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, the Cole Conrad Career Change Award. It's our penultimate award named for Cole Conrad, who's out there selling milk somewhere instead of being the Bellator heavyweight champion. For This is a first. This is a first. I did not choose an answer here. I intentionally said none. I do not believe Vanderly Silva could be anything other than a fighter. I remember way back in the day in the forum days, uh, there was a thread, you know, sort of that kind of actually was the genesis of the Cole Conrad thing of like, Hey, what do you think these guys might be doing? Or like, and then that sort of turned into a, who are the most natural fighters I've ever seen? And like pretty unanimously, everyone was just like, I don't know. I don't know what Vanderlei Silva would be doing other than fist fighting people for a living. Um, because it, it truly doesn't, I can talk myself into anything. I can talk myself into Anderson Silva being a dancer or Carlos Condit owning a coffee shop and being a barista or like <laughs> Chuck Liddell being an accountant. Like that all makes sense to me. I don't think there's no job you could tell me that Anderson Silva or the Vanderlei Silva could do other than fist fight people. It is just, he is maybe the definition of a fighter when I think of them uh, as far as that. So if you guys have an answer, love to hear it. Cause I intention was like, Nope, I only thing one. you could have ever done. Way you guys know, again, I like to go out of the box and there's not an obvious answer. So I think there's a world where a young Vanderlei, a young impressionable Vanderlei is, is, you know, given a chance to, to get, get a proper education and, and, uh, and really get in touch with his inner self. And he becomes like an award-winning author or poet. I think this is like, we, we've known some of the quotes we read today. I'm like, it's a pretty, there's hints there of, of, a, of a beautiful soul. Um, who, who in another world could have expressed himself with his words and not with his fists. So I'm going to go Vanderlei Silva. Uh, I don't know what, maybe he wouldn't have a nickname in this other world I'm, I'm painting, but uh, uh, you know, is a, is a, is a, a brilliant wordsmith and we're, we're and, and we still, we still talk about him, but just in a, in a different regard. Do you talk about a lot of poets in your day-to-day life? You big Keats um, guy? You know, he's okay. Top <laughs> Top thirty, <laughs> Shell Silverstein. That more your, your <laughs> speed and poetry. Who does all the dirty limericks? Who's that? Who's that? I have no idea. Who, <laughs> I sort of think anonymous is the name yeah, of the manager. That's my guy. That's my favorite guy. Which brings us to our final category of the evening: the Look at Me Now Leon Edwards Award for the best single moment of the fighter's career, the apex of Vanderlei Silva's career. Of course, named after Leon Edwards and his emotionally charged speech after winning the UFC welterweight title over Kamaru Usman. Don't doubt to me, so I couldn't do it. The all said I couldn't do it. Look at me now. Look at me. For me, boys, we're going back to where we started, basically. I, I think it's just Rampage 2. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's I'm, I'm open answer. to other things. That's it. Like, yeah, you know, defends the middleweight title. This is the the peak of his run. Still has some good moments after this, but uh, everything after that felt like like the downslope. He never got to that high again. Um, Literally gets atomic butt dropped in the next fight. He does. I mean, that's so. There's and there was no coming back from that, Jed. There well, was no, like that was. You got on a rivalry. It only happens after that. Yeah, the, oh, that's yeah, true. That's the okay, Rona okay. rivalry happens. Like he still got good moments, and yeah. you know, if he comes out and beats Mirko Krokop in the heavyweight Grand Prix semifinals in 2006, that could have been it. But it's not how it worked out. Also, AK, 
I didn't I kind of didn't mention this because we were talking about it. I'm actually totally okay with the butt drop. Being the victim of the butt drop, being a low point in any man's career, I totally think that's the case. Because if Mark Mark Hunt's butt dropping me, I'm gonna think that that's probably not a high point for my career. Yeah, and it's replayed for the rest of your life. Like you feel just watching that over and, and like over Boss Rudin yeah. just laughed when it was happening. He's like, look at that. <laughs> The uh, the rampage, like not just the, the, the dropping of the ropes, amazing. Uh, the camp when he runs, when he hits the opposite ro- uh, turnbuckle mm-hmm. and gets up right into the right into the cameras, yes. gets his face roars like an absolute demon out of hell. It is just you feel oh my, it gets you pumped every time. Like the energy from that moment is palpable. Even all these years later, you feel the energy from that moment, and that's like this this guy is the dead, like the most the baddest mf'er in the world. You know, I mean, no one's going to beat this guy in a, in a fight, right? So love that. Yeah, for sure. It has to be a speak moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we all agree on that. I kind of thought that that would uh, be a pretty, pretty clear choice, which brings us to closing up shop. We're, we're done here. So all of us will, will say our final thoughts on, on the wonderful Vanderlei Silva and AK would like you to lead us off. Uh, anything you got to say that, that didn't get mentioned in the time. Uh, not, now is your opportunity to say, Farewell to the wonderful Vandalay Silva. Yeah, it's and probably gonna, it's probably going to sound a little bit uh, like my thoughts on Fedor. Really, when we talk a lot about these Pride era guys, this is kind of how, how it comes down to is that they they feel like guys from a, an era that will is so alien to this you know the modern MMA fan. It's and and this is one of the main reasons we do these shows. I think I want to kind of talk about where he stands in the all time list because I remember when I was coming up and hearing all the stuff of Vanderlei and really getting into his career and I saw like a couple of all time best fighters lists and he wasn't on them. It was like top 25, top 30 and he didn't make the list and I was confused. I was like, here's a guy, he had this huge winning streak, was beloved in pride um, and he didn't make, and this was like not, this was a long time ago. This was not, this was before like sort of the, you know, some of the modern greats we have now. I was very surprised he didn't make some of the, some of the short lists. Um, but now that I look back on it, like I'm kind of okay with it. I kind of get it. His career was not defined by him necessarily, uh, you know, just dominating the best of the best guys. Like I said, he has these rivalries that at most of which he came out on top of, but he has a lot of big fights. You just, again, just look at his, his record, a lot of big fights. He came out on the wrong end of, he didn't beat, he didn't beat all his peers. Um, he he uh the 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 series with dan henderson people remember dan henderson knocking him out they don't remember the first win uh and that's okay that's okay that's kind of what makes him special is his reputation his aura and his performances and his highlights you mentioned all the bonuses he got in the ufc are so much more important than necessarily placing him on any sort of pound for pound list because if we're just talking the pound for pound violence list i think he's indisputably top five and that's a hell of an achievement in uh, in this this business, uh, especially since again, you know, a lot of fighters have come on have come since, but few have matched his aura and his ferocity. And I think you'll be waiting maybe another twenty years before you <laughs> find someone else that uh, can 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 uh, move ahead of him on that list. So yeah, this was very fun to do. It was really fun to do. Gee, close shop. I mean, the only thing that that I can think about Vanilla Silva is like his. Uh, Vedele Silva as a fighter is the reason why we love this sport. Like, because of people like him, just going there and just say, fuck it to your brain cells and try to murder whoever's across the ring or the cage. Like, uh, you can all say anything about uh, fighters who just uh, grind and take downs and score points to decisions and retire early 
and people say he is the greatest greatest of all time, but they're not as exciting. They're not like Vander Silva is the reason why many of us uh, got into MMA and we stay in MMA because if he came in and we just like say watch a boring fighter, uh, just might may may never come back, but. Coming here and watching Vanity Silva do his thing, win or lose, like AK said, like many fights he lost. Uh, but he was fun as hell to watch, and he's one of the reasons why this sport is incredible. He really was exactly that. And so I'll close this up here by saying this kind of um, the purpose of this show when I sort of originally pitched it, and I mentioned it a lot, is just let's talk about dudes who are dope. You know, let's talk about guys like Vanderlei Silva who kicked ass. But if there's a secondary purpose for me, it's always been to kind of help recenter our perception of fighters who have maybe lessened some, particularly as fans keep coming in and who never had any real connection to Vanderlei Silva. I mean, considering that Vanderlei Silva's last fights in the UFC were in 2013, a decade ago. Um, and then even his Bellator fights were five years ago. Like there are a whole host of MMA fans who never got to experience him. And so kind of the point of doing these things is helping contextualize those fighters and, and give them a little bit more sense of history for newer fans. And episodes like this one end up being some of the most fun ones I do because I think I had a really good understanding and sort of perception of Vanderlei coming in. Like I, I was there for it. I loved him. I think of him fondly. And yet even after diving into it and watching a lot of his, like his pride run and most of his UFC run and kind of just re familiarizing myself, I left way more impressed with him than, than I remember being. Cause in my head, I think of him, you can't help but be colored by the end of career run and by, the numerous losses and the way that when he lost, he lost bad, dude. Like Mirko Krokop kicking him in the head, a fight which he has specifically said, you know, was the worst loss of his career, the worst performance, the the time he felt the like he was the closest to dying, the rematch with Krokop, which we didn't talk about a lot in this fight, this show. You know, those those weigh on you. And but I go back and I I go back to a thing I said at the top. Fanderly Silva walked so Justin Gaethje could run. This dude is is the original king of violence. He is, like you said, Guy, the guy who got people into the sport. You know, he every time he stepped out there, whether it was a ring or a cage or a Valley Tudo fight in Brazil, he was coming to deliver violence, sometimes at his own expense, but always to the benefit of the fans. And that's that's the one that sticks out the most to me in my memory. But there is another one that I kind of re-met doing this, and it is in doing what he did, he was also the best fucking fighter in the world. Like there was a period of time where maybe he wasn't the pound for pound top it's pound for pound top three. Did he get some softballs and some cans and a little bit of help from pride in the way that they did business? Yeah, absolutely. Not all of his opponents knew they were fighting him like months in advance or whatever. That's a real thing that happened. You can't take that away. But it, he even with that, he still beat the brakes off everybody he fought for five years. Like he, that's, that is a really hard thing to do in this sport, even if things are breaking your way like they did for him. And if the history of watching action fighters like Donald Cerrone and Justin Gaethje and all these dudes, Carlos Condit, guys who were awesome and super violent, teaches us anything, it's that 
it's hard to be super violent and be the best in the world because being so open to it opens yourself up for violence. And Vanderlei has his own quotes about saying sometimes he fought um, his style at the expense of himself, that he put excitement and enthusiasm in the way he fought over, you know, maybe self-preservation or things that could have been better for him, but it's just who he was. He had a great quote that I left out of the quote section because I wanted to mention it here where he summed himself up pretty well. Of I train all of my fighters to fight in a way that a promoter has no choice but to bring you back. And that, I mean, that's who that dude was. He was electric every time out. And the fact that he did that while also being one of the best fighters in the world at the time is it's remarkable. And so, yeah, maybe he's not like the best fighter of all time. Maybe he's not even in the top 20, AK. Like maybe that he's just not on that list. There, there aren't many who are more legendary than him. He is iconic in a way that fighters today really aren't. And in a way that I means more than being the 21st best fighter that's ever fought in MMA. He's being, he is an icon. And if you go back and rewatch his career, like I did, it over delivers on your expectations. Even if like me, you had pretty high expectations and that's, that's the best compliment I can give to anybody because ultimately that's, he's what this is all about. He's what this show is about. So Vandalay Silva to you, I say, damn, you were good. And thank you. Thank you for the memories. And apparently you're going to box. I I didn't know that that was happening. Gee, gotta be honest. Don't know how I feel about him boxing. Um, You know, it's fine. I did think as we exit this boys, I thought Vanderlei Silva, we could have had him in BKFC if, if if his career came just a little bit later, not now. I don't want now him in BK. I'm saying if his career came a little (laughs) bit later, Instead of doing the Bellator thing, his post UFC run would have been BKFC to like yeah, mix it up with Alan Belcher or something, and that would have been sick. Oh my gosh, Gee, can I hear that uh, Brazilian nickname for Vanderlei one more time? Cachorro louco. Cachorro, so good, so good. It's really good. So All right, that does it, everybody. Another episode of Damn is in the can. In two weeks, we've got another one coming out, and this is normally where I tease who it was, but spoiler alert. We've had to change our plans because we were, some of us were making some assumptions about things with UFC 295 happening and Stephen Miacic was about to get his ass beat by John Jones and then retire. And we were going to take advantage of him retiring to memorialize him, even though I don't particularly <laughs> like him as a fighter. And then all that goes away. So it's not Stephen Miacic in two weeks. I don't know who it is. We've got the rest of the year after that mapped out. Um, so I got to find who it's going to be in two weeks. A couple of options have sort of jumped out at me. Uh, and we'll figure it out. But until then, I want to thank AK Lee. I want to thank you, Cruz, two of the very best in the business for, for joining me on this wonderful journey. And fellas, we kept it under three hours. I'm so proud of us for doing that. That is a rarity these days. And until next time, love y'all. Media Podcast Network.